And 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 who knew? Were, were you concerned at all? What are you getting? Well, I'm getting a bounce. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's a lightness within it as well. Interesting. Yeah. Well, you know, just, honey, it's a yeah. very tricky color, and I'll tell you why. Mm-hmm. Terry and I worship an unconventional deity, the power of another dimension. Now, you're not going to read about this dimension in a book or in a magazine or uh, in a newspaper uh, because it doesn't exist anywhere except in my own mind. Oh, hey, greetings. Greetings. This is uh, the David Allen Show. It is. Sorry. Uh, Episode number 42. 42. 42 episodes of fake news. Fake news. That you can believe in. Oh, okay. Fake news. But here we go. Uh, Let's start off with some truth. Ready? Okay. No, that's not truth. Maybe it is truth. Maybe it's true to you. It's not true to me, but it might be to you. That's not true? Yeah. Come on now. Okay, fine, if you insist. <laughs> uh, truth, right here. Truth. Where? I, I just want you to realize this was... Well, we'll just play it. There's not going to be a President Donald Trump. <laughs> um, that's not going to happen. Donald Trump will not become president! Huh. Wow. I have no he idea. He's not going to be president. He is not. Donald Trump is not going to be president of the United States. Take it to the bank. Okay. I guarantee it. All right. All right. If he becomes the president, he make, make it great because the state is already great. I think that man will be president of the United States right about the time that spaceships come down filled with dinosaurs and red capes. On that note, Tom. <laughs> Take it from me. How about that? Yes, Was that Tom and then, of course, Hanks? Yep. Donald Trump. Uh. Donald Trump has been saying that he will run for president as a Republican, which is surprising since I just assumed he was running as a joke. You're so funny. So when you stand and deliver that State of the Union address in no part of your mind or brain, can you imagine Donald Trump standing up one Leading day the and delivering a State of the Union address? <laughs> well, I can imagine it uh, in a Saturday night skit. I continue to believe Mr. Trump will not be president. He will never be president of the United States. And uh, we better be ready for the fact that he might be leading the Republican ticket next. <laughs> I know you don't believe that, but I want to go on. Okay, here we are. And which Republican candidate has the best oh, chance yeah. of winning the general election? Of the declared ones right now, Donald Trump. Joy Reid looks at her. Joy Reid looks at her like she's crazy. And so, right now, Mr. Trump, to answer your call for political honesty, I just want to say, you're not going to be president, all right? It's been fun. It's been great. I love you. But, but, but come on, come on, buddy. All, let's say, cow poo-poo aside. There is zero chance we'll be seeing you being sworn in on the Capitol steps with your hand on a giant golden Bible. Donald Trump is a here today, gone tomorrow candidate for president of the United States. (laughs) Donald Trump is not going to be president of the United States. No. Uh, Ever respectful of the fact that the people have not voted, 
He's not going to be president of the United States. Can't be. We talk about him every day, and we continuously He's bash him. He's not going to be the president. Don't worry about it. <laughs> exactly. President Obama will go down as perhaps the worst president in the history of the United States! Exclamation point. At real Donald Trump. <laughs> at real Donald Trump. At least I will go down as a president. I bet he wishes that well, wasn't taped. <laughs> Who did dummy now? Fake news. Oh, so that was all real news. Those are all actual <laughs> people. Of course, all <laughs> Democrats. So uh, for those that don't know, today is the 22nd of December. Yeah. The Electoral College, yeah. that group of scholars, got together on the 19th uh, and cast their vote for the president. Um, and all the, the 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 real news outlets were abuzz with, um, well, how many are going to defect away? We need thirty, but thirty-seven they needed to get make make Trump not get enough, so yeah. he wouldn't win. I mean anybody, yeah, because yeah. then it would go to the House of Representatives, absolutely, and then they could put Paul Ryan in or whoever. But um, well, turns out uh, only so, two, only two defected from Trump. Oh, but it's good that <laughs> nobody defected no, from Hillary because then that no. would uh, that might. That might um, say something. <clears throat> uh, right. Th- three? Four? I think four defected from... Six? I thought I, it was... I thought four. And two from, two from Trump. Eight tried, but four made it. <laughs> the others got well, lynched. Well, four weren't allowed, or the court wouldn't allow it. Mm. One of them was uh, voting for, like, an owl or something. <laughs> <laughs> In, I think it was oh, Oregon, right. wasn't it? Probably. Spotted owl. Yeah, it works. Or I don't know. Or an Indian or something. Uh, feather not dot <clears throat> and uh, sure yeah which I think is wonderful yeah and 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 who knew were, were you concerned at all no I, I no there's just yeah I wasn't it, either no it just wasn't gonna go anywhere yeah I don't know maybe <sighs> it, it, that ugh. This is the point. This it was is nip what and tuck the for a little while because okay. Martin Sheen came out for it, and <laughs> he was. The, I mean, he's I thought the, the television president. Uh, yeah, I thought he could have carried a, a good portion of the United States. Martin Martin Sheen. Oh, you know, for because he played the president on TV, and therefore Makes has an the experience. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> and he was really pushing that that the uh, brave Republican electors would would uh you know vote their conscience mm-hmm. yep and you know it was a nip and tuck but um i guess the lunatics prevailed well clearly i mean you know this is you know we thought this is what the electoral college was going to keep us away from a madman like trump madman but it just didn't quite work out one like of that. putin's lackeys <clears throat> clearly yeah he's on the payroll oh no that's um tucker carlson apparently <laughs> um but I guess that I don't know. Do you ever watch Tucker Carlson? I, yeah, a little bit. He's he kinda, always he always has that smug facial look like somebody just passed gas in an elevator. <laughs> you know, kind of like yeah. what well, this doesn't. Yeah. But he, uh, well, I don't know. He, him, whatever. He got oh, rid of his bow tie. So. He did, and I've heard that that's good. Mm-hmm. I don't know that, but hey. Oh, this real news. 
The National Highway uh, Traffic Safety Administration, or NHTSA, will recall over 555, no, 550,000 units of the popular Coexist bumper sticker due to an ineffective and unsustainable message of world peace, U.S. <laughs> safety regulators said on Tuesday. After an, quote, after an estimated 300 billion incidents of human suffering and death due to war, religious intolerance, racism, genocide, and homophobia from the years of 50,000 BCE through 2016, this sticker needs to be pulled from retail shelves and all automobiles immediately, said NHTSA in a statement online. Uh, they like the sticker, the statement continued. We believe it looks really cool in a tie-dye color scheme uh, in the current geopolitical climate. However... Our in-house engineers predict this trend in which everybody dies will not slow down in a foreseeable future. <laughs> the graphic spelling coexist through religious and political symbols has garnered thousands of complaints from customers and in... Uh, <clears throat> yep. Uh, despite regular appearance on the rear bumpers of cars owned by progressive Americans. Quote, I had a feeling something wasn't working back there. I heard some rattling on NPR about crises in Europe, the Middle East, Africa, even America, said Subaru Outback owner Wayne Darby <laughs> of Burlington, Vermont. Uh, how can sticker companies just sit back and profit from a clearly unattainable mantra? I feel duped, he said. Stickers and Stuff, the gift manufacturer owning the rights to the sticker, Stick. held a press conference early Wednesday morning to ease concerns. Quote, unfortunately, with Donald Trump's presidency, we foresee demand for left-leaning slogan products dropping considerably. We're particularly worried about have a nice day. Studies show nice days are highly unlikely. Spokesperson Amy Kane told reporters outside of their Detroit manufacturing plant, quote, luckily the forecast for truck nuts through Q3 2020 uh, projects record profits. And that is the, uh, the dangly um, cow um, sack that hangs under the, the hitch of rednecks <laughs> trucks, clearly. <laughs> Kane also provided removal suggestions for consumers uh, from uh, as long ago as early 2001. Quote, we encourage all owners to peel off their coexist uh, with soap and water uh, and bring it to your local Spencer Gifts where you'll receive uh, another bumper sticker with a swear word free of charge. <laughs> this real news on the David Allen Show, everybody. Here, here. Yeah. <clears throat> this from the, uh, the Hard Times... News, real news publication. Good. Mm -hmm. Good. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> <laughs> One more from them just because uh, today, December 22, this, this news, breaking news in, from Vegas, actually. Uh, the anarchist bowling team known as the Eight Pin Workdays uh, failed yet again to properly organize a single strike during a not-so-friendly... <laughs> A not-so-friendly <laughs> grudge match at Vegas Rock and Bowl, according to fellow participants in the weekly league bowling night. Witnesses report the devastating laws garnered merciless jeers from the pin curtains, the eight pins' right-wing arch-rivals. You... <clears throat> I'll, have to, I'll have to censor this. Um, <laughs> you leftists blanks couldn't knock down all ten pins with a pipe bomb in Haymarket Square. Your labor is so crappy, you'd have to pay us to exploit it. 
Opponents of the eight-pin workdays believe they know the root cause of the losing streak. Quote, those guys just don't have the discipline, said Peter Miller of the gutter, the gutter Bolsheviks, a socialist bowling team sympathetic to the eight-pins plight. Quote, I think most of them are, most, are more interested in propaganda of the weed than propaganda of the deed, if you get what I mean. We gave them the old uh, Romanov treatment back at last year's punk rock bowling pretty easily. Again, uh, real news from it's courtesy of the hard times dot net. <laughs> news you care about here on the David Allen show. <clears throat> well, I mean, I, I feel better that we are, uh, uh, you know, we're being honest and authentic yes. with our listeners by giving them the the news that they need need to hear. Mm-hmm. So, <clears throat> yeah, yeah. So good, <laughs> good, good. Yeah. Feminists want to heal you of your toxic whiteness. Wait. For a small fee. Feminists have cooked up another scam to help financially support their blogging habits, which always cover the most pressing of issues, such as the need for period emojis and exploring (laughs) why tickling is sexist. Their targets for the cash are white people riddled with guilt for their sin of being born with a pale complexion. Everyday Feminism, a feminist publication that reads as more satirical than The Onion, is offering an online training seminar called, quote, Healing from Toxic Whiteness. For a one-time fee of $97, or three easy payments of $33, of course, the course originated last year as a free service. According to Everyday Feminism, the most far-leftist white people are indisputably privileged, and they're conditioned and are conditioned by society to harbor feelings of racism on some level. Some of the afflicted even believe silly things like white people can be on the receiving end of racism. It's crazy, I know. This online program tackles such victims as of whiteness, offering each person, quote, the tools of free to free yourself from toxic whiteness so you can begin developing an anti-racist white identity. So, uh, is that like color coordinating your clothes well and learning um, oh oh here we go the 10 week seminar will allow you to acknowledge the racism within you which can be a painful process while empowering you to help fight the systematic racism and oppression allegedly plaguing america per their site here's exactly what you'll gain from the training program are you ready uh no you, 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 do i ha- pencil Okay. Write these down. That is a pencil. Identify the pain that's behind your resistance and struggle to take action for racial justice. Okay, hold. I. I. I Identify. Mm -hmm. Number two. E. Oh, wait. Okay. 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 Give pain the gentle, loving care and attention it deserves (laughs) while holding the space for others to do the same. P A Y N E Mm -hmm. or. It's a major. 
Oh, <clears throat> number okay. three, get back all the time and energy you normally spend on feeling confused, anxious, and angry with yourself and others around racism and direct them towards taking action instead. So what were the uh, what were the descriptions? Uh, there was spent, confusion, confused, anxious and angry with yourself and others around okay. racism and direct them towards taking action. Now, the confusion part, is that being confused at others? But see, it's all or, the time but, and energy you normally spend feeling these things. Oh. You need to take the, instead of feeling those things, just take action. Take action. Mm-hmm. Instead of feeling like those things. Like mow the lawn or... Um, yeah. Um, uh, four, send stop. Send emojis. <laughs> Period emojis. Period um, emojis. Stop being scared of discovering how you've been harmful and welcome the opportunity. Why waste the opportunity to hold yourself accountable in order to restore loving justice. Yes, peanut gallery? <laughs> Is a period emoji anything like a comma butt? <laughs> huh. Huh. Well, huh. maybe know. same source, kind of. Yeah, I like it. Uh, n- number five. Get alternatives to silencing yourself or coddling other people who are being harmful. So what would those alternatives look like? So, could you read... Could you read that again? I'm still on the first one. I'm still writing up the first Identify one. Identify the pain that's behind your resistance. Okay. <clears throat> no, no, but the last thing that you Yet said. Alternatives, alternatives to silencing yourself or coddling other people who are being harmful. So, okay. Okay. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> number six. How? Engage in dialogue. Dialogue. With other people without letting fear drive you. Okay. Unless, of course, the other person is, I don't know, <clears throat> a, a crazed meth head. No. Nope. fear should drive you. Mm-mm. What if it's Putin? Ah, okay, you were conflicted there for a second. <laughs> if it was Putin, because he's Russian. <clears throat> Sorry. And f- lastly, help other white people transform their ignorance and defensiveness into greater consciousness and motivation to act in that solidarity with people of color. So did this come from the onion? This from the daily wire. So I'm not sure if no, is this satirical? I'm looking, here we go. The website is called compassionate activism, healing from toxic whiteness. You know, when you got to the end, <laughs> as we get, I, I thought, I thought they, I thought it was satire at the beginning. No, no, it's real news. <laughs> real, you, you didn't know that the first, all the stories so far have been real news. I'm, I, I know that's why, right. that's yeah. why I'm shocked mm-hmm. that I was so naive and so, so this, easily this manipulated. Directly from the compassionate activism uh, dot leadspace dot co. Healing from toxic whiteness, everyday feminism. Wow. This is uh, an online training program for white people committed to racial justice. If there was ever a time in history for white people to take action to end racism, this is it. The election of Trump has shaken white people's understanding of racism to its core. So stop. So my question is ending racism. So so basically they want to try to change white people from all being narrow-minded bigots because 
which is a, a which is a defined characteristic of being white, and they want to eliminate racism while they are accusing all white people of a certain characteristic or a certain way of thinking. Stop talking logic. <clears throat> no, I'm not talking. I was just asking a question. Oh, okay. Uh, is this not passive aggressive ag- aggression here? What? You may find yourself kind of hold As a white person dedicated to social justice, you've known how racist Trump's campaign has been. Hmm. But perhaps you didn't know how capable so many white people, perhaps including your own family and friends, were of electing him. So basically, the white people reading this, they know mm-hmm. are not. So why did we need healing from toxic whiteness? If the people reading this That's already know anthrax, that. That's anthrax, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. Yep. <laughs> uh, you may be finding yourself coming to terms with just how prevalent and harmful white supremacy is and how your white privilege has kept you ignorant and in denial of this reality in the first place. Hmm. Your white privilege kept you ignorant? If I was ignorant, how would I know? There you go. So when Trump's policies start rolling out, roll out. Roll out the, the barrel. barrel of fun. <laughs> you roll, roll out the barrel out the of barrel. beer. But you also know that oh, you that's may... a white song. I know a white person wrote that song. So when Trump's policies <clears throat> start rolling out, you know you want to be fighting alongside people of color. But you also know that like you beige, may feel you peach, also... But you also know that you may colored. feel you may feel frozen in place by the feelings of shock, confusion, denial, and light guilt. tan. Dark that tan. many white people have been dealing with since the election. Many white people have been dealing with guilt and shock and denial and confusion wow. since the election. I, I did well, not know that. I mean, many. Many could be eight people. What is that definition of many? Um, what does the Wikipedia say many is? Well, I don't More know. More than three. Is it? More than three. Well, what's a few? Three. Few I- is Three. I, I always assumed few was A couple three. is two. A few is three to five. Uh, let's see. Well, let's see what... Define many. Do we many. ask Siri? A oh. large number of. Numerous. What does large mean then? Well... Here we, hey, hey, Siri. Hey, Siri. I told I told uh, Siri to call me Spanky McGee. Anyways, <laughs> hey, hey, hey Siri, what is the definition of many? Oh, not Manny, many. Okay, never mind. This is Siri, rivet, go, riveting radio. Go right back here. to sleep. Sorry, Apple. Hey Siri, define many. Many means. A large number of. A large number of what? It doesn't matter. What is the large number? A large number. Okay, well, hold on. Let's see. Numerous. Hold on. Define large. Multitudinous. Large means of considerable or relatively great size, extent, or capacity. <laughs> but, she said, but she said relative. Of considerable or relatively great size, relatively extent or capacity. So relative. So from where, from your town that you live in, uh, a town of twenty thousand is many people. Relative, okay, because yes. relative mm-hmm. to you, compared so, to where you live, right, the town yeah. is relatively. <clears throat> yeah, compared to where indeed. you live, your town is many people compared to where 
I love. <clears throat> so could oh, mean a lot of oh, things. Holy crap! Click here to reserve your spot now. My word, I'm clicking here now. What happened? Uh, what one-time payment of ninety-seven dollars for this? I can enroll in the course for ninety-seven dollars. Oh, for uh, toxic whiteness? <laughs> no, healing from healing from toxic, toxic. whiteness. Uh. Wow. I, are you gonna do it? <laughs> I don't know. Come on, don't be ignorant. But I'm scared. <laughs> I'm confused. I'm don't shocked. Don't let your fear rule me. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Don't do it. Well. You're just ignorant. Yeah, yeah indeed. You know, I think <clears throat> the biggest thing that people need to be afraid of are the Russians. What do you think? I mean, because I've heard so much... Uh, influence that they've had in the elections well clearly clearly well um there was a new article i don't know if they came out uh that about russian hackers and um <clears throat> i mean some people think that they've just been affecting you know like the national elections but local elections evidently they've been um i read this article it said um <clears throat> Russian hackers may have interfered with a vote on church potluck, local man suspects. What? Ugh. According to sources, local man Clarence Williams has urged his church's lead pastor as well as local law enforcement to move forward with investigation into Russian hacking, claiming that there was ample evidence to support the theory that malicious foreign agents infiltrated and influenced the outcome of a vote on the date for next month's potluck at Second Baptist Church. The final vote tally appeared to show suspicious activity with only over 40 church members voting to hold the potluck on the January 11th date and only 12 voting for January 18th, an agitated Williams told reporters Friday. <clears throat> I really wanted January 18th to win, and I thought it would win, but it did not. Considering these facts, I'm confident the results were influenced by Russian hackers. He continued, adding that Putin needs to keep his commie hands off of the, the sovereign independent Baptist church's fairs. Given the new evidence and pending a thorough investigation, Williams is actively urging church members to consider a recount or else protest the potluck by failing to bring a casserole to the event. <laughs> so, I mean, this, uh, we have to investigate this because lives are in the balance, so. I mean, that's more real news, clearly. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. Good, 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 good. good. Um. That's Clarence there. So. <laughs> wow. Yeah. <clears throat> Look, strangely like Billy Graham. <laughs> <laughs> An angry Billy Graham. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> Billy Graham gone bad. <clears throat> uh, more, um, more real news here on the David Allen Show. Uh, from New York, uh, an ancient genie sworn to grant three wishes to whomever releases him from his magic lamp was taken aback by his current master, oh, oh, oh. Lena Dunham, oh. and, her, oh. and her unorthodox oh. wish this week. Dunham is no stranger to controversy and is known for saying outrageous things in interviews and books, but this week she's making headlines with a hypothetical wish that a lot are calling odd and misguided at best. Most concerned is a 3,000-year-old genie who lives in a lamp bought by Dunham earlier this month at an antique shop. Quote, I've been serving... Hold on. I've been serving Master Dunham for a few weeks. 
But she is yet to give me any wishes, said the genie from inside his lamp. The other night, however, I overheard a bit of her podcast recording, and now I'm not sure how to react to requests coming my way. I mean, I've never granted hypothetical wishes before. There's nothing about this sort of thing in the genie handbook, I'm afraid. The genie, who has had experience serving masters such as Aladdin, King Solomon, and Dick Cheney, said he has never dealt with wishes quite like the ones Dunham seems to have planned. I can magically remove any politician or law in this country. I can even instantly transport her to any state. And that's the issue. I just... Hmm, well, yeah. Said the genie, rubbing his temples. I have nothing against it. What she's asking, I just... I didn't see that coming. I mean, come on. The genie said, agitated by the... Seemed agitated by the extra attention this week. I've got newspapers calling, asking if I'm going to grant the wish. My supervisor just called and told me not to screw it up. This whole thing has the potential to be worse for our PF, uh, PR than the effing Shaq movie Kazam. <laughs> Why can't white hipsters just pass by a Middle Eastern lamp without buying it for their garbage apartments? Said the bottled servant. I've been passed around this borough like six times this year. It makes being buried in sand for centuries seem like luxury. At press time, the genie was wistfully thinking of his past masters. I wish I never ditched that Abu kid in Baghdad. He was actually pretty cool. More real news. But real news uh, regarding an actual story. Uh, Lena Dunham, the actress, uh, if that's what you want to call her, says that and this <coughs> actual real news here, uh, she has never had an abortion, but wishes that she had because it's a sign of bravery and self-knowledge. Oh, that's funny. Who made that up? Oh, <laughs> that's crazy. Quote. I thought you were, I thought you were reading real news. This is a genius. Right, yeah. I know. Uh, quote, I always thought I myself didn't stigmatize abortion, she says in the most recent episode of her podcast titled Choice. I'm a uh, abortion rights activist. It's a huge part of who I am, she added. But then said she had distanced herself from the issue of abortion in the past. She continued. Uh, but one day when I was wish visiting a Planned Parenthood in Texas a few years ago, a young girl walked up to me and asked me if I'd like to be a part of her project in which women share their stories of abortions. I sort of jumped. I haven't had an abortion, I told her. I wanted to make it really clear to her that as much as I was going out and fighting for other women's options, I myself had never had one. And I realized then that even I was carrying within myself stigma around this issue. Even I, the woman who cares as much as anybody about a woman's right to choose, felt it was important that people knew I was unblemished in this department. Quote, so many people I love, my mother, my best friends, have had to have abortions for all kinds of reasons, Dunham said. I convenience. Feel, I feel so proud of them for their bravery. And For their self-knowledge. And it was a really important moment for me when, then to realize I had internalized some of what society was throwing at us, and I had to put it in the garbage. Now I can say that I still haven't had an abortion, but I wish I had. I wish I'd murdered someone. Oh, so that I added that last part. Sorry, I just uh, I I just assumed naturally that's where you'd go. Uh, as uh, that's where fake news comes from. <laughs> 
Dunham has now become an avid supporter of abortion. Characters in her HBO show Girls have mentioned having an abortion in a casual way, and she herself has raised the issue of abortion in other situations, such as joking whether Kate Middleton would have an abortion, referring to NBC's obvious child as an abortion romantic comedy, and describing the film after Tiller, which attempts to evoke sympathy for abortionists as a beautiful, sensitively made film. NBC refused to air the trailer for Obvious Child because it mentions abortion, and that's not okay, she said in a tweet. Another tweet after Tiller is a beautiful movie, sensitively made film that asks hard questions about abortion and provides no easy answers. Dunham has also been an ardent promoter of Planned Parenthood, the nation's largest abortion <clears throat> chain. The actress celebrated the group's centennial anniversary this past year and defended it as videos were released alleging Planned Parenthood's practice of selling the body parts of babies it aborts in its clinics for a profit. Unfortunately, that is actual real news. Does she still have sore undercarriage? <laughs> From from Trump, from Hillary losing? Yeah, I think she was the one that had the, <clears throat> yeah, the what sore yeah, lady yeah, part. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. ah! Deep down. Deep down there. Down. What? Down, indeed. This is the David Allen Show. I'm having a hard time not feeling sorry for her. <clears throat> I just don't know why you would say that. I wish that I'd had an abortion. I didn't. I never did, but I wish I had. Huh. You yeah. know, I, I've never had a car wreck that, you know, I got dismembered, but man, I sure wish I had. That's like being sympathetic to uh, serial murderer's causes. You know, I've never actually murdered a Right, person. right. Oh, man, I wish I had. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> if I only I could go back in time. That Jack Kevorkian, man. You know, I've never killed myself, but oh, oh, I sure wish I had. Yeah. I don't know. That's real news here. <laughs> I mean, this the crazy thing is you almost don't know. That's taking uh, our current culture and, and taking the uh, the beliefs of a lot of people and taking them to their logical conclusion, you end up with someone like Lena Dunham. No. <clears throat> or Adolf Hitler. Or, or Donald Trump. Or Donald Trump. <laughs> I mean, if you ask anyone else, yeah. you evoked Hitler just now, so that means uh, Trump. Right? Yeah. I mean, Hitler was on the front of the New York Times. He was Times Man of the Year. I'm not a fan of Trump. Just, I'm just throwing that out there. I'm not no, a big fan of them. You're just an opportunist. I'm, I'm jumping on the bandwagon. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. I shouldn't say I'm not a fan. I just, I just hope that uh, Republicans don't do what Democrats do. Like what? Um, uh, villainize the other person and then make excuses for their own. I think that you should be consistent, intellectually consistent across the board. So when Trump, like for instance, he wants to spend a trillion dollars on infrastructure project, mm -hmm. but he hasn't talked about what that project is and how you're going to spend it. How is that any different 
then and he's not going to raise taxes or or cuts necessarily cuts much spending so you're going to raise the, the deficit and you think that if you throw a bunch of money at something that it's going to uh, uh, increase the economy <clears throat> well that sounds that doesn't sound like uh, that sounds like Keynesian economics it sounds a lot like what Democrats so I think it's valid for Republicans to criticize him and they should criticize him if he if uh, he doesn't align with their values rather than just jumping on the bandwagon <clears throat> that's just my opinion though that's why I'll never rule the universe because you have an opinion because or because you're an ideologue I'm an ideologue that's right <laughs> is that bad see that's what I don't know why, why is that a demonized word what does I, it, I mean? What does it mean to where <clears throat> it would be demonized? I think if it, you're, I, oh, he's an ideologue. We can't have him around. I think it means that it's somebody who doesn't compromise. Okay. Yeah. Like ever? Well. Yeah. On certain things. Like I, you know, I don't think Adolf Hitler was an ideologue necessarily. I mean, he he did everything he could. Well, I don't know. Maybe I don't know. Check Siri. <clears throat> now, I, I just think that you have to be careful and don't... Trump isn't the savior. <clears throat> There's only one savior. It's not Donald Trump. It was Hillary Trump. Clinton. <laughs> <laughs> and she's not there. Nope. up on the David Allen Show, how to convince someone when the facts fail. Why worldview threats undermine evidence. How to convince somebody when facts fail. <laughs> well, I guess... Yeah. This is from the Scientific American. Another real news site. So basically, what... Uh,
This is the David Allen Show. Oh, boy. Yeah. You know how sometimes people, they follow fads? <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> uh, this one, sometimes, I didn't see this one coming. <laughs> uh, I don't know if you saw this. Uh, Reformed Church unintentionally pulls off perfect mannequin challenge. <laughs> Redeemer, Redeemer. Unintentionally? <laughs> unintentionally. How do you unintentionally do that? <laughs> Redeemer Reformed Church unintentionally executed a perfect mannequin challenge, a recent viral phenomenon in which participants attempt to remain completely still for the duration of a video. <laughs> While many mannequin challenge videos last for a few minutes or so, the saints at Redeemer were able to last for a full hour and a half, completely frozen in place during their worship service Wednesday evening. Some church members held hymnals, while others were, sim- were simply sitting with a furrowed brow, all stock still for the length of the service. Since being uploaded to YouTube, the video has garnered over 30 million views, with many commentators declaring the attempt to be the best by far at the popular challenge to remain as still as possible for a short period of time. It'll never be topped, one viewer said. This wins the Internet. (laughs) According to church leadership, those present were not aware that they were participating in the challenge. (laughs) <laughs> but they gave all the glory to God for their amazing accomplishment. <clears throat> Good work. Woo. I saw <laughs> I saw this video of at a rock concert. I can't remember the um uh the group. Um but they were doing like the largest mannequin challenge. And so they started off to the left and they started going and everybody in the audience there's like a thousand or two thousand people in the audience standing stock still. And as they sweep it across one of the knuckleheads who worked for the stage company or whatever took off running. Um, I mean, it it was totally <laughs> ruined this whole, I mean, he got everybody there to shut up and this is a heavy metal rock group. So, you know, there's not a chance no. this is ever going to happen nope, again. Nope. And some knucklehead didn't want to be part of the video. <laughs> nice. Mankind's dark. Anyways, you were, go ahead. Well, we're 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 sprinkling real news throughout the show today on this uh, this forty two second episode. No, we're not Here, sprinkling. Pre- <laughs> we're pouring it on. We're pouring it on. Uh, this uh, the pre Christmas show actually. Uh, next show will be. Uh, oh. uh, Christmas will be over. Santa will have already come and gone. Really? Mm-hmm. Or and is the it elf Satan? <laughs> the elf will. Um, hibernate for the next? I don't know. Who knows? What the elf? Uh, but have you ever noticed mm-hmm. when you present people with facts that uh, are contrary to their deepest held belief that they always that they always change their mind? <clears throat> yeah, yeah, me neither. Yeah, I, I haven't noticed in that. In fact, people seem to double down on their beliefs in the teeth of overwhelming evidence against them. The reason is related to the worldview perceived to be under threat by the conflicting data. Creationists, for example, dispute the evidence for evolution in fossils and DNA because they are concerned about secular forces encroaching on their religious faith. Anti-vaxxers distrust Big Pharma and think that money corrupts medicine, which leads them to believe that vaccines cause autism despite the inconvenient truth that the one and only study claiming the such a link was retracted and its lead author accused of fraud. The 9-11 truthers focus on minutiae 
like the melting point of steel in the World Trade Center buildings that caused their collapse because they think the government lies and conducts, quote, false flag operations to create a new world order. Climate deniers study three ring, tree rings, ice cores, and the PPM of greenhouse, greenhouse gases because they are passionate about freedom, especially that of markets and industries to operate unencumbered by restrictive government regulations. Obama birthers desperately dissected the president's long-form birth certificate in search of fraud because they believe that the nation's first African-American president is a socialist bent on destroying the country. Uh, one thing about the, uh, the global warming, the, they try to imply <laughs> that all the facts are wrong because these people supposedly have an agenda. And that's a logical fallacy. Just it doesn't matter what a person's intent are is, if the the facts are the facts. So you can say, well, don't let uh, they're not true because they don't care, or uh, <clears throat> I don't know, give an example the the. Uh, well, they just did it, <clears throat> um, because these people want to allow uh, factories to. Uh, make more money um, by diminishing or, or uh, diminishing the regulations. Um, they have an uh, uh, they have an ulterior motive towards not wanting to believe in global warming. Okay, that might be true, but that that hasn't addressed the fact. Or, the facts don't prove their point. Yeah, uh, don't don't prove the global yeah. warming point. <clears throat> it it has nothing to do with that. Mm -hmm. You could you could make the the case on the other hand that they want a global government and that's why they are for global warming, but that doesn't anyways. <clears throat> every single one of these. But you're getting to the point. Sorry, I just had to. In babble. these examples, proponents' deepest held world views were perceived to be threatened by skeptics, making facts the enemy to be slayed. Now I find no. this interesting. No, this the point they're making could without. Any change be flipped around. Yes. And, and be exactly, exactly the same to point. them. Right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So so here they are saying you can't trust them because they have the wrong motives. <laughs> but you can it, trust me. But you can trust my me. My motives are correct. The other thing is people haven't you, you can't you can't talk about facts until you agree what the facts are. Yes, what, we can. My facts are my facts and they should be yours. Okay. If there are two sets of facts and the, both sides won't agree Shh. on, you can't discuss it anymore. Shh. Stop it. <clears throat> you can't discuss it exactly. anymore. Exactly. Stop it. Shh. Quit talking. <laughs> Carry on. You can't discuss it anymore. <clears throat> I quit. <laughs> Keep going. The power of belief over evidence is the result of two factors. <clears throat> sorry. I'm sorry. Cognitive dissonance, dissonance and the backfire effect. In the classic 1956 book, When Prophecy Fails, psychologist Leon Festinger and his co-authors describe what happened to a UFO cult when the mothership failed to arrive at the appointed time. Instead of admitting error, quote, members of the group sought frantically to convince the world of their beliefs, and they made a series of desperate attempts to erase their ranking, their rankling dissonance by making prediction after prediction in the hope that one would come true. Festinger called his this cognitive dissonance or the uncomfortable tension that comes from holding two conflicting thoughts 
simultaneously. Two, so, two social psychologists, Carol Tavris and Elliot Aronson, a former student of Festinger, in his 2007 book, Mistakes Were Made, uh, but not by me, document thousands <laughs> of experiments. Is that what it says, yeah. but not by me? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. In parentheses. Okay. Document thousands of experiments demonstrating how people spin Dr. Facts to fit preconceived beliefs to reduce dissonance. Their metaphor of the, quote, pyramid of choice places two individuals side by side at the apex of the pyramid and shows how quickly they diverge and end up at the bottom opposite corners of the base as they each stake out a position to defend. In a series of experiments at Dartmouth College, Professor Brendan Nehan and University of Exeter Professor Jason Reifler, the researchers identify a related factor that call the backfire effect, quote, in which corrections actually increase misperceptions among the group in question. Why? Because it threatens their worldview. And Siri was just listening to that quote. I'm not sure why. <laughs> Fascinating. For example, subjects were given fake uh, fake newspaper articles that confirmed widespread misconceptions, such as um, that there were weapons of mass destruction in Iraq, when subjects were then given a corrective article that WMD were never found. Liberals who opposed the war accepted the new article and rejected the old whereas conservatives who supported the war did the opposite. And more, they reported being even more convinced there were WMD after the correction, arguing that this only proved that Saddam Hussein hid or destroyed them. In fact, Nihan and Reifler note, among many conservatives, quote, the belief that Iraq possessed WMD immediately before the U.S. invasion persisted long after the Bush administration itself concluded otherwise. If corrective facts only make matters worse, what can we do to convince people of the error of their beliefs? From my experience, one, keep emotions out of the exchange. Two, discuss, don't attack, no ad hominem and no ad Hitlerum. Three, listen carefully and try to articulate the other position accurately. Four, show respect. Five, acknowledge that you understand why someone might hold that opinion. Oh, I know why. I mean, I can see why you would be a moron. Because you are one. Right. And six, try to show how changing facts does not necessarily mean changing worldviews. These strategies may not always work to change people's minds, but now that the nation has just been put through a political fact-check ringer, they may help reduce unnecessary divisiveness. I agree with all those steps. Yeah. I mean, and if the person who was doing it authentically did the same thing, I mean, while they were doing it, if if they were authentic and trying to look at things from the other po- person's point of view and, and talk through it, they might get changed. Their thoughts about certain subjects might sure. get changed as well because then there would be the free inter- interchange of ideas. You could... That other person might have a set of facts that might uh, put yours into question. So, I mean, I think that's... The the problem with it is... uh, This is a one-sided argument. It's like, we're right, and we need to figure out how to convince these other people. We're going to talk down to you. We're right about everything that we believe. And you're wrong about everything that you believe. 
Yeah. And so we're gonna we're going to uh, almost like a teacher talks down to a child. Uh, we're gonna do that to you. <clears throat> Now, who, who, uh, that was from the, uh, well, uh, Scientific uh, America, <clears throat> Scientific American, America.com is a, uh, a blog, I guess. I've been, uh, helping in a, uh, biology class. And so they've been going through genetics and DNA and the, uh, the cell and how the cell works and everything. And I'm astounded at the words that they use, like in the textbook and whatnot, about how, uh, <clears throat> The RNA comes in and it reads something off of the DNA, and then it goes to the ribosome to create the the protein, and it attributes actions to chemicals um, like they were thinking. Okay, so when you read it, um, and you talk to an evolutionist. It's almost like uh, the body is uh, is alive in the sense that all of the, the different cells are like intelligently doing something. Now that's what they're saying. And because they say it that way, uh, evolution potentially can, can sound plausible. Because, yeah, okay, I see the ribosome, it, it reads it. And it flows and it goes from here. The information goes from here to there. But if you were to stop and say this chemical that doesn't have a thought, that is just doing whatever it's doing by chance goes and takes a small bit of information out of a string of information that's almost 3 billion base pairs long. And the only information it gets is the information that the cell needs at a certain point in time. And you start talking through it, you realize it sounds crazy to believe that a human body could function by mindless chance. Yeah. Just by looking at it. It seems absolutely crazy. <clears throat> so which one's right? Now, of course, they're going to say that they're right, that it is all by chance. Um, and a person who believes that God exists and created everything is going to think the other way. How in the world can those two sides come come to a conclusion? Mm -hmm. at, at a certain point, you have to recognize that the other side is not willing to believe anything different. Right. That no matter what facts that you give, they're going to believe what they want to believe. And at that point, you come at an impasse and you don't go any further. <clears throat> Is, isn't that very similar to the the position that conservatives come from and the liberals come from? I know our peanut gallery once <laughs> threw that at me. Um, you know, if if the conservative movement they come from a position that um, government should be small and kind of in the background, mm -hmm. and that the citizen should be uh, makes the best choices, knows better how to handle things, how to handle their own money. Yeah. How to make the right choices, whereas the the dem democratic liberal position comes at it from government needs to be big and in front and the driver and people and are we, inherently and, and, stupid and people are dumb they can't make the right choice and they yeah. are just the feeders they they're, they're the mice that run the wheel the useless right. and, eaters and if you come at it from those perspectives how can you ever agree on anything yeah yeah 
I think that I characterize that incorrectly. Peanut gallery. Incorrectly. No, what? Who? Indeed, it was I lost you. What? What's that? What happened to your microphone? Talk again. Hello. 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 Ah, there it is. Oh. Sorry. One on the wires. Bad wire. But don't you think that if you have two sides that are talking about it, and both sides are cordial in their discussion, that the um, the conservative, if he's talking to somebody who's extremely liberal and believes that point of view, but is very articulate and is very authentic. No, Ted Ted Cruz is a, a articulate and fairly authentic, but he's he's extremely Trey Gowdy, extremely articulate. These guys. They aren't listened to by the left. No, no, no. I, I, I know that. I know that. But, but my, this is my point. Oh, so you're saying the other side's not really willing to listen. No, or, or... no. That's if you establish a relationship with the other person. Mm-hmm. Because when you're watching a YouTube video, you attribute all. If you're a liberal, you're going to attribute all this evil to Trey Gowdy, just like we attribute all this evil to uh, Nancy Pelosi. Nancy Pelosi. <laughs> right. Okay, Trump and will not. <clears throat> Will not Donald Trump will not be president. Yeah, Trump, yeah, exactly. Take that to the bank. But if we sat down with Nancy Pelosi and we found out, I'm not saying this is the case, yep. but if she legitimately believes that she has to project this image in order to push forward these values that she believes in, and you meet with her in private, and you find out, you know, she's a nice person, as f- Every time that I met with her, she's been very cordial. I've seen her interact with other people, and she's been very nice. And when I talk to her about these issues, she's been very articulate, and her position is thought through. She she comes from a different point of view, and I think you would walk away from that going, you know what, I don't agree with her, mm-hmm. but uh, she's not the monster that I thought she was, so... I will I will think about what she has to say and give it not more credence but I will I will uh weigh it more rather than Is that instantly not giving it more credence? What's that? Is that not the same as giving more credence if you're going to weigh it more isn't that the same thing? Oh yeah, that's what I meant to say. Um but I I'm not going to necessarily just jump on the bandwagon mm-hmm. but I will I will take it and I will uh, I will think about it more than I normally would. And the reason why you do is because that person that you were talking to is no longer this monster of your own creation, but is an actual person. So I think that everything that that person said is true, but it has to come from the point of view that if you're going to be talking to somebody mm-hmm. and both sides are going to talk and try to come to a conclusion or at least just discuss it, if they can... Take whatever that is, discuss it, and look at the other person as as some as as just another person rather than this evil monster. I think there could be some compromise and maybe change mm-hmm. <clears throat> and and you could uh both sides could maybe if one side has the truth, the other side would i think naturally come closer to the truth I mean just like. If you're trying to share the gospel with somebody, you don't do it from a point of view where you're wagging your finger at them. You do it from the point of view where you get to know the other person. 
and they understand that you care about them. Yeah. And you actually care about them. And then all of a sudden what you're saying, because this other person is a decent person, I'm going to listen to what they have to say. I might not agree with it, but I'm going to listen to it. Mm-hmm. And you move in the right direction. But I think that it's so much easier to make the other person a monster so that we can easily dismiss what they have to say. Yeah. And I think conservatives do the exact same thing. I know I do the exact same thing. But I've tried to think through where they're coming from. But... And mm-hmm. I think that's another reason why people go into their different ghettos, why people don't want to have anything to do with conservatives, because they're afraid that if they actually listen to it, they might start believing it. You know what I mean? Yeah. So. It's just, it's interesting to me, because this was posted on the social media by uh, a rather liberal uh, uh-huh. friend of mine, that oh, I'm going to try these these steps. when To the ignorant. Reduced. Yeah, yes. exactly. Yes. But it's so condescending and so arrogant. Yes. Just, yes elitist it just yeah it's just frustrating how about we both go and talk about this and try to come to the uh, truth yeah and if you both have the attitude and follow those steps you will mm-hmm. i think yeah I don't of course know. it'll be my truth <laughs> well if you're good enough uh uh orator wouldn't you convince and make it make it right make it so make it plain uh-huh. I don't know. I don't know. Yes? <laughs> sure. you can feel his disease. Come together. I never understood why people like the Beatles so much. I don't either. <laughs> or really the Rolling don't. Stones. I know. Have terrible. you never played Toe Jam football? <laughs> Nope. <laughs> nope. <laughs> I don't plan on it either. No, thank you. I just don't think there's any reconciling the two actual like polar beliefs that we have in our politics. No, I, no, no. I, I just don't think it's possible. No, no, it's not. And it's namely because no one is really willing to give in. And I don't know if I want them to give in. Like, I don't want politicians. This is one of my biggest things. Well, all the Republicans typically, like, as a rule, they campaign. We know how to work across the aisle with the Democrats. Democrats campaign. We hate Republicans, and we are going to force them to do our thing. And they they used to win. It's not quite as much anymore. I mean, Nancy's doing a really good job keeping her seats in the House. Um, But it's frustrating to me that this idea of we have to give up our values if as a conservative party, as a conservative viewpoint in the world view, we have to give up our values in order to get along and get things done. We have to compromise and give in. No, why can't the other side compromise and give in? So you're saying why can't the other side? Why can't why um, why do we have to move? They have to come here. We don't have to go there. Yep. Okay, but see, then the other side thinks the same way. Well, right, but yeah. my, my point is, if we are the ones that constantly are the giving, and they never move. Oh, yeah, then you're going to be getting closer and closer yeah. to them. And when you That's get exactly there... That's exactly what happened. This is why Donald Trump is the president. Absolutely, absolutely. Yep, absolutely. And people are sick, people are sick of the giving in all the time. Mm-hmm. I to- Yeah, totally agree. <clears throat> but I don't think that the raw conservative politics and the raw... Uh, small L or large L, I guess, uh, liberal politics 
I don't think they should be polarized as much as they actually are. <clears throat> because if you're, I mean, a lot of people like Anne Rand, mm-hmm. and her big thing was conservative and conservatism is best when it's all about self-interest. That it's that uh, as a conservative, you should be all about self-interest because if everybody was about self-interest, put themselves first, our country would run better. Ayn Rand was an atheist. Uh, Okay. Now, if you're a conservative, you could say that you that you're a solid conservative, and that's what you believe, and that's where you stand. And I would look at that and go, "There's a major flaw there." And if that's where you're standing as a conservative, the liberals would have a good point potentially at some of the things they say that conservatives only care about themselves and making money and blah 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 well that would be you you know if you're only about self-interest but on the other side <clears throat> liberals think that people are stupid and don't know any better they're a bunch of sheep that need to be you know uh no, but cle- <clears throat> clearly everyone is a bunch of rednecks that will yeah. vote for Donald Trump. They're yeah. white racist rednecks. Yeah, or yeah, or exactly. Yeah, That's exactly. Why got Sixty million votes. Is that what it was? Something yeah, like that. yeah, yeah. And that the best thing that you can do is have government do everything for you because they do it better than the average person. Well, that's patently wrong as well. So in some of those cases, I think, but it it goes back to discussing it and talking about it well, and trying I was, to. I was talking to a local politician the other day about the size of government and that, you know, I, I want, I, I'm a low, small government mm-hmm. kind of person. And, you know, the, this idea that roads, you know, government does roads. Mm-hmm. Well, why do they do roads? Because we've been kind of conditioned that government does roads. If the private sector does roads, they cost money, mm-hmm. you know, now, so then tolls, we're paying money for the current roads. We just don't see it. It's in our gas tax. It's in other things that we pay. It's in the mm-hmm. wheel tax in our, our stinking uh, licenses. we got to buy for our cars. We're paying for those roads, whereas private roads are beautiful. They are pristine and gorgeous. When they work on them, they're done just like that. But you pay for it, mm-hmm. and you you put cash out there for it. I don't know if I hate that model, but I don't think it will ever catch on in our current social thing that we have but, going on. But it because can't. we're conditioned to be well, our roads should just exist. The roads just need to be there, but, and they need to work. Darn it. But the, the the thing with it is that in a lot of cases you're right, but then there are cases that you're not right. Like, for instance, uh, farmers. Um, we need f- food. In our, in our, our country, uh, a large percentage of people were farmers. Well, who's going to build the roads so that farmers can um, go out and get, get the crop and bring it into traffic? What company is going to build this road? And would they make enough money to pay the tolls to upkeep on every single road in the United States? So there, there has to be, there has to be an element that the government has to do something for people that can't do it themselves. And same thing with like, uh, does there though? Yeah, I would say yeah, I'd say absolutely. Because are are you, I mean, is your is your thought there that if the government didn't do these things, yeah, that then they just wouldn't happen? Uh yeah, the, it wouldn't 
potential there is a thing called economies of scale mm-hmm. which is that sometimes um if you have something bigger that it can perform functions and do things more efficiently than s- something smaller mm-hmm. <clears throat> so if you didn't have okay now you had railroads came across country which which did wonderful things but there are examples but of, they, did government pay for all those rail rail lines no. Did government put all the trestle bridges up over the hills to get people over these deep ravines? Uh, oh, you well, mean for the real? I don't know. I, but, but like just uh, south and uh, east of here a little bit, there was a, uh, I think the guy's name was Sears. It turns out, I believe, uh, if <clears throat> the story's correct, mm-hmm. that he is one of the, he's the Sears from Sears and Roebuck. Sure. Um, anyway, he, there was a need to get a train from, you know, 40 miles away up to where we are. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there was a ravine in the way. So he built, funded, apparently, mm-hmm. a bridge, a trestle bridge to get the train here. Okay. That's private enterprise, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Be- because it was a need. And my thought with the whole farming thing is if there's a, such a need to get these crops out, if I know I need to go there every day from here, I need to get 10 miles away. There's no road. I'm going to make a road. I'm going to work together with local people around me and make that road. Okay. Right? Well, potentially, right? Right. But yeah. I mean, potentially you could try. You could try. So, uh, like for instance, doesn't that encourage innovation? Doesn't that like like build innovation? And and if government is the one that says, "Well, we're but, gonna make, we're gonna handle the infrastructure. We're it because we're we're good at it. And we're better." But you does are that not assuming, stifle imagination and but, innovation? But you're assuming that everybody wants the same thing. That everybody wants. Um, uh, that everybody has a perfect access to money and capital and use it efficiently, but they don't. They can't. They never have. I'm not. I'm. I don't. I'm not disagreeing with you on the large. I, I think that it's definitely possible. Well, but you know, like the Constitution, you, the Articles of the Confeder of uh, Confederation that came into place before the Constitution. One of the big issues, one of the reasons why they have the Constitution is that the Articles of the Confeder- of the Confederation or the Confederacy, um, there wasn't enough central government so that every single state did their own thing. And there was no... Um, is that why we're called the United States? Yeah. Uh, Technically? Yeah. Um, and the, the, uh, the Federalists wanted the constitution because there were certain things that the federal government could do that the states were not willing to do. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> so, um, and, and do you think road infrastructure is one of those things? That I think, I think a, a, different infrastructure, national thing that should be beca- federal. Yes. Because, uh, the federal government, I think that, uh, there should be a sense that no matter where you go in the United States, that things are going to be relatively the same. If you go to a city in, um, <clears throat> uh, say you go to Detroit or Flint, Flint, <laughs> Michigan, and the water there is green oh, or blue fine. or whatever. Okay. Well, if there's only poor people there and there's a few large factories that employ the poor people and the factory creates... Um, digs the wells and and does all the sewer and everything else, and they're satisfied. They don't care. They're not going to put in any money 
to to give them any better water, the people just will suffer. And there will be people that don't potentially didn't have money, couldn't get a job anywhere else, so they come there, and they're willing to subject themselves to some more lead that might ultimately they might ultimately end uh, in a disease or death, but they're okay with that. Is that something that that the nation would look at and say, well, it's, it's just don't don't get the government involved here. That's private business. Let them create the infrastructure. Let them, and if people die, they die. Who cares? Whereas I live in Minnesota where they have good water, and I don't have to worry about that because it's, because it's Michigan, and uh, we're, we're just going to let the uh, private industry do it. At a certain point, you have to have regulation. You have to have infrastructure. <laughs> now, here's my thought, though. What's that? Uh, is Flint the best example? Because didn't they have government regulation? Well, not good. No, I'm not saying that what they did is good. Right. I mean, but it. I mean, and I'm not so, saying I'm not saying it's this. It's this. But but doesn't that prove that, Doesn't that prove that government can cause the problem as well? No, I mean. Well, but you can't you can't define something by its worst examples. You have to look at the sure, the general right. trend. And you know, to me, it's just like this idea of welfare and of uh, disability. Mm-hmm. Like you can be disability, you can be disabled, mm-hmm. uh, and if you can prove you're disabled and not work, you get paid by the federal government to not work. Sure. Uh, at this, you know, yep. you, you get a money, Social Security. Yep. Um, without that. Yep. How many people do you think would figure out how to make it happen? Now, I had a conversation several years ago with a, uh, a friend of mine locally. Um, we haven't talked in years, but um, without that disability mm-hmm. and without Social Security, mm-hmm. um, this guy told me that his dad would have died. Okay. And my qu- my answer, my response, I guess, the question I have to that is... Yes, because we are we've been conditioned that you are a part of this social security system and don't worry, we got your back. You don't have to save, you don't have to do anything. You you'll be okay. We'll give you a hundred bucks or whatever it's gonna be. We're gonna give you money. Mm-hmm. If they didn't have that safety net, and I asked him this, I said, What if that hadn't have been there, maybe your dad wouldn't have actually relied on it and might have been better off for it. Sure. But because we've been conditioned and we've got this thing, this yep. false safety net of you're okay, we've, we've got it, we got you covered because we're the government and we're better. But this is apples and oranges when you're talking infrastructure, public infrastructure versus the Ponzi scheme that is Social Security. <laughs> I mean, that's, that, that is socialism and whatnot versus... Um, but do we need... <clears throat> As a, as as a society now, I think we do because again, our everything about what we do now has been built around this idea that um, government's going to fix the roads. They're going to bring us power, uh, kind of. I mean, we're going to pay for it. They're going to get us internet. We're going to have trenched in water. We're going to have sewer. We're going to have all this stuff that's provided in this town we, we're in right now. Um, it is illegal, illegal to not have a contract if you own a house to not have a contract. With the private garbage service. Okay. What? How is that? Not, what? That makes no sense to me. Oh, it's probably because they don't want... Well, they don't want piled up garbage. I get that. Yeah. But for the government to mandate, make a law that I, can, I cannot, it's illegal for me to not have a contract with give, a give, private give company. Give me an example in history that when you have a group of people 
living together that they don't have laws that require some people to do things that they wouldn't normally do. Give me an example of any place in history. You won't. You can't because there's always laws, and it's based upon what that group of people have decided they want. You know, like what do they call the... When when there's a development and you buy into it and you have to pay a monthly fee, what's that called? Covenant. A covenant, but the the, the organization, it's like oh, a wow. housing. You know, it's a private a thing. Club. Um, My brother yeah, lives in one, a, and they tell you what color your yeah 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 you got all the regs yeah yeah. They, um, but oh, when you yeah, live there, you have to abide sure. in it because right. they've agreed like a right. covenant. Right. Yeah. But that you, you go into that. Yeah, you go into it. Right. So if you don't like it, then you move. The theory, right. Then then you move right. on. But if we have this thing, and and my my biggest thing is, I don't know if government's the best option for a lot of things. I now I know they're I know they're needed for certain things. Fine. Yeah. You know we to have um, things going around uh, that are um, you know sewer infrastructure in, in a densely populated area like the like a city. I yep. get that because you, I mean, you don't have room to for everyone to have their own line. I absolutely understand that, but my point is, do we rely on the infrastructure system only because that's what we've been taught that we need to rely on? Yeah, well, but or, I, or has it been proven that that is the best option? It's well, it's a decision that people. But for hundreds of years, I mean, you go into a large city; they've had sewer. You could you could move out to Minnesota or South Dakota and live in a sod house and do everything your own. Homeowners association. Homeowners association. Thank you. The chat room. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. No, but I mean, I mean, people have have always had choices to live however they want to. If you were the type of person that you were like, I got to live by myself. Nobody's mm-hmm. going to tell me what to do. I want to live by the sweat of my brow. You have the opportunity. I mean, even now you have the opportunity to do it. But I think there has to be a compromise. You can't be like the government can't do anything. Shouldn't the private uh, enterprise should do everything? And then you have the other side that's Europe or Soviet Russia, where the government does all of it. I think there has to be a compromise. But there's a spectrum that different people are comfortable in. Right. And if you don't like it, you go live in San Francisco and you want certain. Yeah. Right. So I, I guess my point is. Uh, how do we limit those things? Let's figure out the, the five, let's say, that absolutely a government bureaucracy, essentially, <coughs> a government in a local government, a city, a mayor, whatever, what they need to do. And let those those five. Everything else is left up to the person. But don't you think that I that I, was I, originally the idea that the Constitution was is that all the powers that were not enumerated in the Constitution were, were left to the states. Were left theory. to the states. Mm-hmm. And so the theory was, if you didn't like it in this state, you could go to the other state right. that doesn't. <clears throat> yeah. So if I don't like the water in Flint, Michigan, I could potentially I could move go somewhere else. Somewhere right. else or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So I think yeah. that's the way it, it should have been. But then the, the problem I see all the time, or I hear all the time, is that people compare... Well, look at Denmark, look at Canada, mm-hmm. look at, uh, I don't know, wherever, um, Holland. Oh, what a wonderful country. They have socialized medicine and free education and everything else. And oh, it's so wonderful. Why can't we be more like them? And I, I heard an analogy that just stuck with me. 
and that is the analogy of um, <clears throat> would you rather uh, own a yacht or be best friends to somebody that owns a yacht? <laughs> you, it would be far better to be best friends right. with somebody who owns a yacht because then you wouldn't have to pay you for to enjoy it. enjoy it without paying for yep, it. Yep, you right? get all the benefits with <laughs> yeah. not having to pay anything. And that is what Canada and Denmark and Europe have. They, they're friends of the of of the yacht owner, and they don't have to own the yacht. And that is why they can have these benefits mm-hmm. <clears throat> without having to pay for them. Um, oh, but they do pay for them. Well, they do seventy yeah, percent tax. Some of them are ninety percent tax. But they they have this this huge um, safety net. But another another part of it is if you go to Denmark. Well, at least it used to be. I don't know if it is anymore. It was very homogenized, so everybody looked the same. Everybody acted the same. They had the same kind of values. The va- you know the uh, the crime rate was low because everybody thought the, the same way. Um, now, not so much, but. <clears throat> But I think again, that, yeah, there's eighty, seventy, ninety percent tax. That's but they've they, for generations they have, that's what they do. That's all they know. Yes, they come here, they don't understand. It's like the gun yeah. culture. I mean, here I grew up with guns around yeah. always. Um, I'd be afraid not to have a gun. Right? Yeah, sure. It's, and, but it's normal for me. It makes yeah. no sense. And these people that panic because there's a possibility of a gun in a house just blows blows my mind because yeah. it's always been around for us. Um, I over in Europe, in London, people. Oh, what? You have a gun? Yeah. How dare you? We have guns. Have I you? mean, I, I know some people in the Twin Cities like that, but <laughs> so oh, do guns? I, I what? Know. Yeah. My daughter went and stayed at a at a friend's house, and she brought a gun with, but didn't tell her friend. And the reason why she didn't is that her friend would freak out, like the gun would just pop up out of the bag right, and start to shooting. do something with it by itself. Yeah. <laughs> but, <laughs> I have this theory. Now, tell me, tell me if this is crazy or whatnot. I have you ever been up like on a high cliff, and you're standing at the edge of the cliff, and it's like 500 feet down, and there's that little thing in your head that says, "Jump, go ahead, jump, jump." No, you've never had that feeling, have no. you? No. I've had that where it's like it's almost like, no, I, I'm I'm afraid of what I'm going to do, so I back away from the edge. I think that some people, some of the liberals are the type of people that have that thing going on in their head when they see a gun, like, pick it up, start shooting people, start shooting people. (laughs) Well, they don't know anything about it. They don't know how it works. Yeah. And so it's this novelty thing. Uh, No, I was in the back of a B-17 bomber once filming, and I was- While I was flying? Yeah. Yeah, up in the air. It was cool. Get out of here, really? Oh, yeah. That was fantastic. Um, How high up did it go? Oh, we didn't go too high. We were filming with a uh, Messerschmitt ME-109 in the air. The last time those two planes apparently were in the air like that was in the war. Was that out here in South no, Dakota? No, in Oregon several years ago. Oh, wow. Yeah, that was, is cool. It was cool. But I was in the tail of that thing at the tail gunner position. Yeah. And all that was there was, was glass. a square, no, a square piece of metal across there to keep me from falling out. And what I thought was, there, holy so crap, air? what if I fall out? Oh, yeah, it was open. And then the gunner position on the side was just the hole was open where the gun would have been because we were filming. And then the, the top bubble that you could see was the glass. But the back was open where the guns would have been, and then the side position. Ah! Holy cow! No, I didn't think I jump, jump, see what it's like. I thought, whoa, what happens if I fall? Um, that was, it was cool, but Alan, you'd die. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Yeah, that's what and happened. I thought we were flying over these little rolling hills, and I thought, oh, maybe man, I'd that would bounce. Hurt. <laughs> that would hurt so bad. <laughs> that was special.
Oh, that's cool. That was really fun. 2006, I think that was. Can you can you imagine? But they didn't know any better. But can you imagine the paratroopers? No, I can't imagine people now that do that. I mean, back then in those. Uh, but you know, they didn't know any better, so it was just like this is it is what it is. Yeah. Yeah. It is what it is, indeed. <clears throat> uh, this. Hold on, let me. Uh, we need some traveling music here. Where are we going? We're we're going. I want you to tell me the age of this writer, okay? Okay. The implications of Donald Trump's rhetoric and the general... (laughs) Oh, sorry. (laughs) Give me a minute. Okay. And the generalization that has been constituted as locker room talk. What constitutes locker room talk? And what implications does generalizing this kind of discourse and behavior as president-elect Donald Trump has have on our societal and cultural spectrum on both the issues of sexist slander and the campaign of women's empowerment and equality, but also the consequences on men in society. That right there was one sentence. The kind of rhetoric that Donald J. Trump has so explicitly articulated has the potential to have profoundly deleterious effects on our society by constituting a new mode of comparison and example for those in an acquiescent and developing time in their lives and inspiring those with such hateful and prejudiced ideologies to speak out or even demonstrate these beliefs in destructive methods. Now, one uh, more sentence. That now, was two periods. I know. See, this is somebody who's not trying to communicate, but trying to say, hey, look how smart I am. There you go. Because of the most influential and prominent leadership position Mr. Trump has recently been elected to and the high-stakes leadership drama in which we as Americans find ourselves in, all eyes are on him and the attention he will continue to get will only grow. That was one sentence. As President of the United States, Donald Trump will be a leader, idol, and example for millions of Americans. The way in which society established and constructs social and cultural norms is crucial to the understanding to understanding the implications of Trump's damaging rhetoric, society's norms are socially constructed. Marco DeMello, a professor of cultural anthropology at Canisius College, states in her textbook Body Studies, an introduction, bodies are shaped in myriad ways by culture, by society, and by the experiences that are shared within a social and cultural context. She goes on to declare beauty, weight, sexuality, or race do not simply result from the collection of genes one inherited from one's parents. Instead, these bodily features only have an, have on the, only take on the meaning that they have in the context of history, society, and culture. This means that social norms, beliefs, and attitudes are construed, constructed per the historical, societal, and cultural context. Context in which they reside, and are strongly influenced and determined by affluential figures within the context. In the United States, arguably the most prominent figure is the president, clearly the individual with the most power. This illustrates the influence President-elect Donald Trump now has, and now great, and how great the implications of his bigoted rhetoric have the potential to have on our society. Deconstructive behaviors and ideologies become normalized through discourse and social rituals and practices. Furthermore, if hateful and bigoted language is used at an increasing rate with fortification coming from a leader in our country... With fortification? Why would you use that word? 
said hateful and bigoted language has the potential to become normalized, along with damaging behaviors that emerge and follow the growth of such discourse. With the additional influence and authority that comes with the presidency of the United States, Donald Trump's destructive rhetoric has the potential to becoming increased to become increasingly normalized and calamitous behavior to be regularly practiced. This person has been educated to their level of idiocy. When an influential leader in our country uses inimical language that promotes hateful and bigoted oh, discourse and goodness. action, the parlous impact of President-elect Trump's rhetoric better comes into focus. Wake me when they use the word ubiquitous. <laughs> <clears throat> Donald Trump's bolstering of detrimental discourse and generalizing oh. this discourse throughout his oh. ill-conceived <laughs> idealistic oh, crusade fire this person. has had damaging effects not only to the individuals and groups being marginalized and attacked, but also to the people such as myself in which Mr. Trump has generalized his rhetoric too. By doing so, he damages the image and social capital of men and harms the social structure and progress our society has made in our campaign towards total equality. This person identifies as a pretentious idiot. To conclude, I would like to address... You no, know, yeah... President. Who ends with to conclude? <laughs> this is a 12-year-old, right? No. <laughs> no. Oh. Uh, hold on. I'm sorry. No, this... I would like to address President-elect Trump directly. Dear Mr. Trump, if I may, your preposterous generalization of the unscrupulous comments, rhetoric, and discourse... <laughs> You what have... an idiot! <laughs> Keep going. Oh. You have articulated is not only ludicrous, but also outrageous and calamitous to the progress we have made as a society to equality. Your deleterious, substandard, and culturally dilapidated dialogue is not generalized to the mass male population, and saying it is so, it downright offensive. As our soon-to-be president, your rhetoric is detrimental to the progress we have made over the last 200 years towards equality in our fight against prejudice and discrimination. As a president, I hope you will come to understand that when we are all treated equally, our democracy grows and it's strengthened along with its people. He just got a thesaurus for Christmas. <laughs> exactly, that's what happened. That's autocorrect is what's going on here. <clears throat> no, who was it? How old are they? Like 18? 20? What, first year of college? Yeah. Pop, pop poli sci? So, what, what I found fascinating by this, and, you know, person aside, uh, I, I appreciate when young young people get this idea, this wild Did this come off gonna, of Facebook or something? Uh, well, no, it's on a, a, a blog called Odyssey, but it's posted from, I mean, it's, it's a direct thing. I mean, the, the guy that wrote it um, posted it. Hey, check it out. This is a piece that I wrote, did for some class. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> okay, yeah. For some, yeah. So, but what I find fascinating about the whole thing. Maybe they have Tourette's, and rather than screaming <laughs> profanities, mm-hmm. It's just five dollar words. Foul, 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 foul. <laughs> it's an erudite Tourette. <clears throat> uh, the comment was, 
<laughs> this is an excerpt from a personal political essay I wrote for a class on body politics. Okay. So. Okay. So, um, so putting now it in context, sense. it makes some sense. Yeah. However, uh, I got, like, I, I read it wanting to kind of see what, you know, sure, I'm curious. Uh, but I got so bogged down by this the arrogant- vocabulary. Um, elitist yep. use of outrageous words for no reason. Yeah. And to string multiple four syllable words together yeah. back to back is just an alliteration and it's all the arrogance. Rest of it. Yeah. Right there. Look at me. I'm so <laughs> clearly I'm so much better. And to Donald Trump I say. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, like yeah. how arrogant. Off, you think he's going yeah. to mm-hmm. I mean he'll buy your house, bury it and <laughs> bury your family in it if he wanted to. He knows people. You know <sighs> from Poland. But uh, so I, I, it would just intrigue me that this was the, um, like the, the, this was a piece from school that got written, and also the the, the language person in me, just I'm sorry, you don't do a paragraph with no periods. Sorry, oh, yeah, yeah, you don't run a paragraph without a period yeah. in it somewhere. Isn't that a running sentence? Yeah, run on or, or run mo- on sentences. There's like five of them. Yeah. yeah. But anyway, I mean, this, this just shows the the uh, naivety of young liberals. Yeah, I think. Yeah, and it, it or I mean, it's a lot of them are liberals. I know. I mean, this is, but it, but it's, somebody it, it's using the young it, like this. I'm going to school for language. It kind the, of turns the, into crazy. This is a this is a different type of turd. Um, sorry. Um, this this kid is 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 really sucking up to the to the professor. So I mean the average By kid just throwing big words yes, together yes. and so professors go oh they know what well, they're talking about is, are are these professors that ignorant? Well they are. Well they are at least. Yeah, you know. They should play us. When sir, you can't sir, do sir, your sir teach. Michael what, what's his name? Robinson that we watched Ted last night? Ian? Ken. Ken Robinson. That guy is a wizard. I may have to pull some out here. Ken Robinson. Excellent. What did he do? Uh, he's a uh, British uh, professor uh but he's got a fantastic outlook on public education or oh. our education system it's excellent sure. if you go go to ted.com search for sir ken, ken robinson. robinson ken uh ken he did oh he, you, it was a ted talk yeah he oh, did okay. one uh in 2006 2010 and 2013 and got they it. kind of go together like almost he, he tied from one to the other wow. brilliant fantastic um his his views on what we are doing wrong in education is sure. wonderful um, and then I, you know, then I read this stuff, and it just makes me want to um, cry, <laughs> weep, and it makes me glad I homeschool. <laughs> I, you know, you should have gotten a thesaurus, and then, and then it makes me want to, and then used a, like a twenty dollar word. <laughs> you should have done it right. I that would have been perfect. I should have. Oh, bad prep. <laughs> bad prep. Oh my. <clears throat> but. This is the David Allen Show, episode 42, uh, wow. December 22 of this year, 2016. This is the David Allen Show, and I think he is the greatest dancer.
the outskirts of Frisco, I was cruising with my favorite gang. The place was so boring, filled with out-of-towners touring. I knew that it wasn't my thing. I really wasn't caring, but I felt my eyes staring at a guy who stuck out in the crowd. He had the kind of body that would shame Madonna's and a face that would make
that funky stuff. Give it to me. Give me that stuff, that funk, that sweet, that funky stuff. Give it to me. 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 That sweet, funky stuff. Just give it to me. This is the David Allen Show. No, Rick James for you. Oh yeah. Because I was, as I'm listening to this, I think I'm thinking huge afro and those huge <laughs> shoes. shoes with bell bottoms. Yeah. Oh baby. Yeah, bell bottoms. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. I don't know if you play uh, Plants vs Zombies, like the original game. No, I've never you have played like, it. Oh, what? You have like five rows of gardens, and then you plant your plans to kill the zombies that are coming. And there's the disco zombie. Oh. Looks just like it's like this is what you expect. Plants versus zombies. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm gonna do that. Plants. Uh, there you go. Just one or two. Now the first, well, the first one is the one like that. Uh, two is to well, two is it's similar actually, it's similar. You think that's his real voice, or is that synthesized, or whatever? <laughs> you, uh, yeah. DavidAllenShow.com on the uh, the face bag at David Allen Show. Uh, we are also on the Instagram. I think there's nothing up there though. I really should stop promoting Instagram because we apparently don't use it. Uh, the David Allen Show. If you want to talk to us well, at all, eventually uh, we stream live on Thursday nights. Uh, for now, for 2016, live on Thursday nights at mix.lr/slash/thepostmaster. The what? Oh yeah, the Postmaster. Oh. 
yeah! Oh yeah? This is mu- This is the music segment of the David Allen Show here. We're, I mean, this real news, uh, we've been filling our minds with real news. We have? <laughs> yes, we have. <laughs> okay, that's what you call it. Okay, thank you. Yeah, yeah. That clarifies things for me. More real news here. Detroit. Local goth teen Shelly Davis announced plans to ruin her family's Christmas card for the third year in a row. <laughs> According to a source close to the family, Davis will reportedly uphold her tradition by stubbornly refusing to wear festive sweaters and rolling her heavily lined eyes at anything remotely fun while valiantly sucking the joy out of the holidays with her lifeless <laughs> glare. Into a vacuous existence. Our little Shelly is just going through a phase, Shelly's mom, Patricia Davis, said. I asked her to wear a Santa hat for the photo, and she just kept staring out her bedroom window. And after what seemed like five minutes of silence, she quietly whispered, Get out of my room. (laughs) So, yeah, I think with a little coaxing, she will want to join in. It's just very important to have these Christmas memories with my family. Shelly's dad, Paul Davis said he has spent the whole year looking forward to the annual family Christmas photo. Quote, I have a beautiful family and I like to show it off. Sometimes we get silly and wear reindeer ears and make goofy faces at the camera. Well, most of us do. Shelley refuses to look at the cameras. She says, there's nothing here to photograph. The Davis patriarch said while sipping on this mug of spiced eggnog. But I mean, little Andy is looking so grown up in his Santa sweater, and my little princess of darkness is here to make sure (laughs) that we all feel very miserable and awkward for our Christmas card. (sighs) Family traditions are so important. Real news here on the David Allen Show. Oh, I got some more. Oh, oh, yeah, go. Um... Who was that HGTV couple that ah, got... Gain. The, Chip and Joanna Gaines. Yeah. Yeah, there was an article about it, about them. Real news? Yeah, real news. Yep. It's uh, nation shocked, horrified, Whoa. as Christians hold Christian position. <gasps> Re- reports from around the nation Thursday indicate that millions of American citizens were still reeling from the revelation that a prominent Christian couple holds a historically Christian position. We're not saying people can't be Christians, a Seattle woman said in a Facebook comment. This is a free country after all, but when Christians decide to actually have Christian beliefs about things, I'm sorry, that's just too far. (laughs) A man in Denver agreed, stating that he prided himself on his deep appreciation of and support for freedom of beliefs and religious tolerance, so long as Christians don't publicly hold opinions I find disagreeable. It's almost as if they take the Bible seriously or something, he said, shaking his head. This revelation comes on the heels of a national Gallup poll released earlier this week indicating that over 95% of Americans agreed with the statement Christians are allowed to practice their beliefs as long as everyone agrees with them. <clears throat> so. Huh. Who knew? Who knew? R- r- real news again. Right here. Yeah. <clears throat> Actually, it's real. But hey.
Early reports indicate a seemingly innocuous conversation about music uncovered a strange phenomenon late last night, after one man admitted that while he had not heard the band in question, he had heard of them. Ollie Sweeney, a self-proclaimed music expert with an encyclopedic knowledge of bands across all genres, was asked for his thoughts on the folk punk group The Bindle Brothers. While he didn't claim to be familiar with the group's music, he was quite sure, he was quick to assure everyone with an earshot that he was, in fact, aware of their existence. Witnesses allege that as the night went on, Sweeney could only attest to knowing about most basic facets of life, never having actually experienced them. Ah. On the subject of work, Sweeney acknowledged, Yeah, man, I get the basic idea of going to a place, doing a thing, and exchange receiving currency that I use to purchase goods and services, but no, I've never had a job. Someday, maybe I will try to, I'll give it a try, but I just listen to it, I just listen to so many podcasts now, I don't have the time. As the conversation deepened, it became increasingly apparent that Sweeney was once again familiar with the concepts, but had never personally experienced them. Quote, and I've finally, I've definitely heard of love, he insisted, but I've like never came close to anything that resembles deep human emotion, you know? When asked how Sweeney relates to his friends, he paused. Look, I've heard all about the concept of empathy, he finally explained. It's just that when I stare into another person's eyes, all I see is the vacant abyss that is our fleeting existence. <laughs> and I can't help but wonder that, that like, like, they'd look like without skin. Brad Hart, a childhood friend of Sweeney's, claimed he was always like this. Quote, even when we were kids, man, and played games, all he claimed he had heard of every game, even the ones we just made up. <laughs> We were all impressed, but when it was time to pick teams, uh, we'd make an excuse and run home. And I've never seen him blink. <laughs> real news here? Yes. It is real news. Ooh, ooh, you, you know how the LGBTQ2 plus IAPPXYZ groups, uh, what's their symbol they've uh, um, acquired? Um, what's the word when you steal something? Steal? Stole? Stolen? Stealed? Appropriated. 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 Yes. Yeah. Well, what's that symbol they've appropriated? Oh, uh, the rainbow? Hey! All right. Hi-yo! So, um, <laughs> real news, uh, actual. Um, creationist Ken Ham puts colored lights on Noah's Ark <laughs> to take the rainbow back. Well, well-known creationist Ken Ham has lit his massive Ark Encounter exhibit in rainbow lights in an effort to reclaim for the Christian faith the blend of colors that is today most closely associated with the gay pride movement. In a press release on the display, Ham wrote, quote, The rainbow stands as a poignant reminder that God keeps his promises. Despite the wickedness in the world, God has not sent another global flood to destroy all flesh. 
In recent times, the rainbow, albeit with some different colors, has come to represent something far different, he explained. To many people, it means freedom, love, pride, a new era, and specifically, the LGBTQ movement. In Genesis 9.16, as part of the story of Noah's Ark, the rainbow, which appeared in the sky after the flood, is described as a reminder of the everlasting covenant between God and all living creatures of every kind on the earth. But Ham fears that legacy has been forgotten in today's society. Quote, Sadly, people ignore what God intended the rainbow to represent and proudly wave rainbow-colored flags in defiance of God's command and design for marriage. Because of this, many Christians shy away from using the rainbow colors. But the rainbow was a symbol of God's promise before the LGBTQ movement and will continue to be after that movement has ended. In response to the cultural shift, Ham is using the Ark Encounter, which opened in Williamstown, Kentucky, in July, to make a statement. As Christians, we need to take the rainbow back, he said, and teach our young people its true meaning. Ham is the founder and president of Answers in Genesis, a nonprofit organization that specializes in Christian apologetics and advocates for a literal interpretation of the book of Genesis, particularly when it comes to the creation of the earth. I love that. Why not? Yeah. Ooh, did you see the National Geographic cover? The latest National Net Geo magazine cover? Was that uh, was that about Jesus or something? Uh, this is the January cover story. <clears throat> Matt Walsh, of course, had a take, which is always fun. <laughs> Earlier, this, this this posted from Matt. Earlier in the week, National Geographic unveiled its January cover story. Uh, they are profiling a confused and abused young boy who thinks he's a girl. Of course, he isn't. He isn't presented as someone who is confused and abused. Rather, he's presented as a boy who is actually a girl, which is like presenting a triangle that's actually a circle. There was a time when National Geographic was considered a science magazine, but the publication, along with liberalism more generally, has abandoned science. Indeed, anyone who suggests that a boy can be a girl is not only guilty of perpetuating abuse, but also guilty of rejecting the entire field of science known as biology. That is why I propose a new name for those who believe in the transgender superstition. They are biology deniers. They are people who fundamentally deny the existence of biological sex. They may say that they accept biological sex and proceed to draw a false and fabricated distinction between that and gender. But the fact remains that if you will call a boy anything other than a boy, you have denied his biology. You are a biology denier, and that's what you ought to be called. I like it. I, I'm intrigued. I mean... <laughs> If you don't believe in the uh, fabricated science of global warming, you're a climate denier, which yeah. makes no sense because I, I don't deny climate. Yeah. There's no climate denial. <clears throat> They've been... You just proved to me that the, the man has caused any change in the climate that's significant. Prove me that. Uh, what are they called? Anthro... Anthropogenic? Yeah. Whatever. Anth yeah. Climate change. And <clears throat> well, that's the crux of the issue. I know FEMA's, well, they're all big on that. Um, FEMA? FEMA and Homeland Security. FEMA, is that like the largest bone in your body? Yes. Yes, it is. Only from 
<laughs> Only if you're from New York. Yeah, yeah. I broke my femur. Yeah, FEMA. FEMA. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, they're, they're... I know uh, a lady from FEMA came out here, and she was, like, asking me about people's thoughts about uh, climate change. And What I, do you mean, asking you about their thoughts? Well... <clears throat> She was out here because she was uh, dealing. She, I think, she was a press release person dealing dealing with, uh, dealing like with drugs. Flood. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, um, <clears throat> helping with flood. Oh yeah, call it what you will. And <laughs> <laughs> a flood of drugs. <clears throat> and my response to her was, um, I think they, you know, they messed up when they started talking about man-made climate change. If they want to talk about climate change. They should have just. Uh, or no, what was it? Global warming. I said, uh, the problem is when they started talking about global warming, they should have called it climate change and kept the man made out of it because, you know, maybe, maybe there is, uh, well, of course there's climate change. No, clearly. I don't think anyone would <clears throat> deny that the climate actually changes and adjusts. Yeah. And, and, uh, maybe we're getting warmer. But, the reason why FEMA last is week big here into in it. South Dakota, I would disagree with you. True, we had record cold temperatures across the state. True, and uh, and by record cold, I mean negative thirty. Yeah, before <laughs> any wind. Uh, don't don't whine so much. But, oh, but I forgot. <laughs> weather is not climate. No, un, 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 until it is. Well, FEMA <laughs> until it's warm one day. Oh, look at that climate change. Yeah, yeah. Oh, shut up. Well, it's gonna rain this next weekend. You know, I I saw that. So. Like I guess you feel silly now. Yeah, um, but or haven't nine inches seen, of snow, one of the two. Haven't you seen uh, the day after tomorrow or whatever? That, <laughs> no, <laughs> no. What was that it? Ben Affleck with, with Dennis Quaid, and it was the climate change one. But rather than it was global warming, it was global cooling caused by global warming. Oh, brother. Yeah. Anyways, anyways, but FEMA was is big on climate change because if there's climate change. There's going to be a lot more storms and disasters, and they're always clamoring for more money, and they want to justify their existence. So, that sounds about right. <clears throat> you know, talking about that whole government thing that you were talking about, this is this is one of those areas that one of many areas that you're absolutely right. I mean, do we need FEMA, really, Excuse or me, Homeland we Security? We need emergency management. You bet. Eh, no. Clearly we do. Look how well they cleaned up after Katrina. Good point. Right? Good point. Yeah, exactly. I stand corrected. Yep. I I feel... Is my yeah. face red? Yeah, <laughs> you I'm, should be. You're, embarrassed. You should be embarrassed for that horribleness. Uh, but speak, well, existence. Uh, speaking of existence, uh, I saw this posted by somebody on Facebook and... That's vague. Uh, I want... <laughs> I saw this I posted want... by somebody on Facebook. <laughs> a bag. A bag. <laughs> In our family, we have a special way of transitioning the kids what? from receiving from Santa to becoming a Santa. What? This way, the Santa construct is not a lie that gets discovered, but an unfolding series of good deeds and Christmas spirit. What, what's, so, the, what's the number for social services? <laughs> I'm just... So, hey, the, what we got is. a couple kids here for you. But this is this this is how you continued this is how you justify the lie you told your kid for the last twelve years. Yeah. Did you ever tell you No. Well no. one is still young enough to potentially 
Buy, be, yeah, accept buy. a lie? No. See, I never did either. No, I don't. Yeah. I, I don't believe in lying to my kids. Yep. I don't know. It's a good point. Now, it, yeah, it makes me cry. Not really. Um, <laughs> what about Tooth Fairy? Um, we do give them cash if. Uh, <clears throat> hey, I want a piece trigger, of your body. Trigger warning. For some cash. <laughs> trigger warning. Spoiler alert. Um, yeah. We uh, put, well, if we, the problem, our oldest son, he doesn't ever want to give anything up. He's a, he wants to keep potential his hoarder. Teeth? And does, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so it's hard to exchange those for cash. Now, the, the, the youngest boy, he, uh, he, he tries to get his brother's teeth. <laughs> and, but the thing, is, the thing is, they all know that we do it. Okay. <laughs> the problem is we have to remember to do it. <laughs> oh, yeah. What happened? It's still my tooth is still there. Why yeah. didn't anyway? When they are six or seven, back to the article. Whenever you see them dawning suspicion that Santa may not be a material being, uh, that means the child is ready. I take them out for coffee. <laughs> the seven-year-old. No, please stop. You're kidding, right? <laughs> oh my goodness. No. This is a millennial or one of those. <laughs> oh no. The for coffee is in quotes, but um, I, I take them out for coffee at the local. Hold on, at the local whatever, bistro. Um, no, hang on, I, I forgot. Uh, <laughs> Vegan only cafe. <clears throat> we get a booth, order our drinks, and the following pronouncement is made: "You sure have grown an awful lot this year. Not only are you taller." But I can see that your heart has grown too. <gasps> Point out two or three examples of empathetic behavior, consideration of people's feelings, <laughs> good deeds. Hold on, I'll get you a bucket <laughs> for the, the vomit that's coming out. I'm sorry. You need some duct tape for your head. <laughs> In fact, your art has your art your heart has grown so much that I think you are ready to become a Santa Claus. You probably have noticed that most of the Santas you see are people dressed up like him. Some of your friends might have even told you that there is no Santa. A lot of children think that because they aren't ready to be a Santa yet, but you are. Tell me the best things about Santa. What does Santa get for all of his trouble? Lead the kid from cookies to the good feeling of having done something for someone else. Well, now you are ready to be your very to do your very first job as a Santa. Make sure you maintain the proper conspiratorial tone. We then have the child choose someone they know, a neighbor usually. The child's mission is to secretly, deviously find out something that the person needs and then provide it, wrap it, and deliver it, and never reveal to the target where it came from. Being a Santa isn't about getting credit, you see. It's unselfish giving. My oldest chose the witch lady on the corner. Chose. She really was horrible. Had a fence around the house and would never let the kids go in and get a stray ball or frisbee. She'd yell at them to play quieter, etc. A real pill. He noticed when we drove to school that she came out every morning to get her paper in bare feet, so he decided she needed slippers. So then he had to go spy and decide how big her feet were. He hid in the bushes one Saturday and decided she was a medium. 
Okay, so the ends justify the means. <laughs> Trespassing, stalker, stalking, spying, it's fine. <laughs> he wrapped them up and tagged it with Merry Christmas from Santa. After dinner one evening, he slipped down to her house and slid the package under her driveway gate, and the dog ate him. The next morning, we watched her waddle out to get the paper, pick up the present, and go inside. My son was all excited. He couldn't wait to see what happened next. The next morning, as we drove off, there she was, out getting her paper, wearing the slippers. He was ecstatic. I had to remind him that no one could ever know what he had done. She still screamed at him. Or he wouldn't be a Santa. <laughs> oh, okay. Over the years, he chose so a good number of So technically, he should have given her coal or something. <laughs> if he was a true Santa. Yeah. Fraud. Over the years, he chose a good number of targets, always coming up with a unique present just for them. <clears throat> one year, he polished up his bike, put a new seat on it, and gave it to one of our friend's daughters. One year, he gave a dime bag of heroin to the guy under the bridge. These people were and are very poor. <laughs> so the heroin was great. <laughs> we did ask the dad if it was okay. The look on her face when she saw the bike on the patio was a, with a big bow on it was almost as good as the look on my son's face. When it came time for son number two to join the ranks, my oldest came along and helped with the induction speech. They are both excellent gifters, by the way and never felt that they had been lied to because they they were let in on the secret of being a Santa. <laughs> this is really hard for me. <laughs> so then, we always love these kind of stories because there are comments afterward. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah, let's hear some creativity. <laughs> This is the most beautiful idea I have ever seen. Oh, really? And you can be dang sure when my son is old enough, he will oh. learn to become a Santa, too. Oh. Instructions unclear. I trained my son to be a ninja. <laughs> Santa is yin. Ninja is yang. He kills the bad, the bad kids. <clears throat> After a visit from Santa once when I was in hospital, it was hard to convince me he wasn't real. <gasps> he was an amazing Santa. And a visit was that. I got so worried the slippers were going to cost $3.50. This makes the idea of an old man creeping on you all year almost okay. <laughs> the moral of the story... If you're ever caught in a lie, just make up one more elaborate lie to cover it. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, this is a story about a dyslexic Satanist. Santa? <laughs> <laughs> Again, I... I just don't know. I, it frustrates me because these are people that I know that post this crap. Yeah. What bothers me about it is that <clears throat> these, I'm sure, I, I would bet good sums of money, and by good I mean $20. It's not great, but it's good, that uh, <clears throat> the person who wrote that, um, I mean, it's not, it's not horrible, um, but I would imagine that they don't go to church or 
possibly don't believe who? in God. Who, 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 who? Yeah, the Santa person. The people that wrote it or the people that posted it? The people with, that with wrote like it. With like a thumbs up. The people that wrote it. Oh. <clears throat> um, because it's one thing to look at it and go, oh, well, that's not a bad idea. But the but the wording and, and whatnot, is it, it sounds like a substitution. You want the goodness of God without actually believing in it. And God would be the equivalent of some imaginary person in the sky who gives you things. <clears throat> yeah. But maybe I'm just being cynical. Well, you clearly are being cynical, but yeah, that's okay. I <laughs> I th- to me, that's that's so corny. I don't know. Uh, to me, when I if I heard something like that, I just, I don't know how you couldn't mock that. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah. That's so mockable. Mm-hmm. That's like a Saturday Night Live skit. It's like, um, I did I sh- did I send that one? Sa- yeah, I think I did send that one Saturday Night Live skit, where there's the teacher in the class with the kids, and the principal comes in and says, uh, <clears throat> "You're out of here," because he was. It was like a take on that one Robin Williams uh, movie where he was a teacher, uh, the poet, Dead Poet Society. It was kind of a take well, on that. And then like slaughters everybody. No, what what oh. happens is superintendent goes, "You're you're out of here," because he was, you know, teaching them books that they shouldn't listen. And all of a sudden, one kid stood up and said something from one of the books, and then another one did, and then finally, the the a last kid stands up on his desk, starts saying it, and there's a fan above, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and it cuts Wax off his head. Off. Yeah. <laughs> okay, to me, that would be. I'm not saying that, but <laughs> to me, that that's like a Saturday Night Live skit with something outrageous happening at the end. It's just a thing at the end never happened. <clears throat> yes. But I think people who who write those sort of things don't have that kind of sense of humor. So. True. Yeah. Evidently. Could be wrong. Okay. Okay. <coughs> a professional education consultant and teacher trainer argued at the White Privilege Conference in Philadelphia that great teachers must also be liberal activists and described in detail her goal for destroying the, quote, white supremacist nature of modern education. Heather Hackman operates Heather Hackman Consulting Group. So she's white. And because clearly. no black person would name their child Heather. Oh! <laughs> wow. <laughs> and was... <laughs> so, and, and was formerly a professor of multicultural education at Minnesota's St. Cloud State University. Hey, that's where I went. Where she... Do, oh! Where she taught future teachers. On Friday, Hackman was given a platform at WPC, the White Privilege Conference, to deliver a workshop with the lengthy title, quote, No Freedom Unless We Call Out the Wizard Behind the Curtain, colon, critically addressing the corrosive effects of whiteness in teacher education and professional development. So Sounds when you like said colon, great. that no, was an, an actual, actual colon. colon. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <clears throat> Two dots. <laughs> Vertical. The long title masked a simple thesis on Hackman's part. Modern education is hopelessly tainted by white supremacy and the white imperial gaze. And the solution is to train prospective teachers in college to be activists as well as um, pedagogues? P- 
pedagogues. Pedagogue? What the heck's a pedagogue? Um, <clears throat> so what was the context again? What what'd she say? I don't know. <laughs> what? Uh, teach them to be advocates rather than pedagogues? Um, the long title. Uh, <laughs> Where's it at? It was... Uh, masked a simple thesis on Hackman's part. Modern education is hopelessly tainted by white supremacy and the, quote, white imperial gaze, whatever that is, and the solution is to train prospective teachers in college to be activists as well as pedagogues. In fact, Hackman argued teachers should Rather than being a teacher, you want to be an activist. Oh, I think so. Argued teachers shouldn't even bother teaching if they aren't committed to promoting social justice in school. Yeah. Education is so not brain, about the brainwash your the children. Sure, education is not about the mere reproduction of knowledge, which I kind of agree. Uh, education is the practice of freedom, and as a result, we have to have teaching students becoming. Be, we have to have. Oh, brother! But as, she, as she's a result, white, isn't she? We have to have teaching students becomes activists as well as teachers. That's a quote. That's a that's a problem. But she's white, isn't I, she? I don't know. I don't see a picture. I don't know. Look her up. Uh, uh, go to the website, um, <laughs> hackmanconsultinggroup.org. That's her website. Heather Hackman. Hackman Consulting Group. Hackman's natural solution, then, is to train teachers to move away from all these aspects of white privilege in education. She routinely touted the benefits of collective assessments Measuring student learning at the class level instead of determining oh, yeah. whether each student yeah, I was right. knows the material. Yeah. As well as eliminating all school grades entirely. Whoa. Yeah. What? Yeah, this is uh this is like total white guilt. This is ridiculous. <clears throat> She's being a racist. This is this is the um you know how uh, black people say that uh, call people Uncle Tom. Mm-hmm. This is the reverse equivalent. Ooh, <clears throat> because I mean, she's being so. So this is self <clears throat> self loathing. So would you call him Uncle Tristan? <laughs> Aunt Heather. My man. No. <clears throat> Hackman said, when she was a professor, she freely employed these methods with her own students. Maybe that's why she's not a professor anymore. Uh, she once let a student complete an essay assignment as a graphic novel and allowed students to write in non-standard English <laughs> or even foreign languages she herself couldn't read. Great choice! Holy cow! Oh, you want to write in Arabic? Go ahead. Gaelic? Yep. Let's have it. How in the world do you... How, how do you grade that? Yeah. Maybe you don't. The fact they turned it in might be a grade. This is a lunatic. There's no point. Uh, quote, if I don't know your language, frankly, that's my issue, she said. All I need to know is that you're thinking about it. I don't really care how you do it. So, <clears throat> engineer, I don't really, I don't need, I don't need to know if you know math. I don't need to know if you know what, you know, if you put a triangle together, it's going to fall over. That's fine. <clears throat> yeah. Heart surgeon. Yeah. That's fine. I don't really care how you do it. Yeah. It's the intent that matters. But Hackman acknowledged in the current white supremacist system, there is some expectation that teachers will know, con- will know conventional English and possess other basic knowledge. As a result, she admitted, admitted modern activist teachers should try to learn those things sufficiently to get a job, but only for the purpose of infiltrating schools to change them from within. 
Change them, change them from within. Uh-huh. My long game was you get in, get you tenured, get you in that system, and change that system. You know what? That's worked. Look at every well, that's stinking what they've been univer- doing. Yeah. yeah, every university <clears throat> in the country, just about. That's the mo. Yeah, you're right. The need for change is pressing, Hagman said, because the current white supremacist school system is literally killing off non-white Americans. Literally, literally. Killing off non literal the school system, the white supremacist school system is literally killing off non white Americans. Bull crap. Yep. Literally means not quite. <laughs> yeah. But, but I guess. Are we redefining terms again? Yep. <clears throat> um Inside I am screaming, she says. Because she hates herself. <laughs> she predicted her approach will triumph. And the sinister force she dubbed Super Whitey. And compared to the Eye of Sauron, will eventually be swept aside. Your time has come, Hackman said. If I was a white faculty member and unwilling to get with the program, I do not have any business in teacher education. See, this this we, person we is the reason why Super Trump Whitey. won. Absolutely, yep. yep. We're coming for you. We're coming for you. We're coming for you, Super Whitey. <laughs> My inner Alex Jones. <laughs> <laughs> We're coming for you. Well, no. What what does he always say on the? Uh, 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 what's his name always have on the No Agenda show? He always screams what? Some about making For twenty five ba- years. They've been making babies, growing babies in cows. <laughs> <laughs> Some would argue that's true, but hey, whatever, whatever. <clears throat> I think it's ridiculous because everything she says, can you imagine if 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 she flipped it and was talking like that about black people, they would go, You are the biggest oh, man. racist yeah, absolutely, without question. by calling black that all black people are this way. And yet she flips it and does it on white people, says the exact same and she can do it and not be ra- not be called racist because she's white. <clears throat> it's it's so ridiculous. This is an example of that. Uh, you were talking about um, that Scientific American article about how yeah. people won't yeah. change their viewpoint. Mm-hmm. When, fact, when facts aren't good enough. Yeah. This is an example of not addressing the facts, but just using, uh, you know, terms and uh, emotionally driven uh, words. <clears throat> it's ridiculous. And it's, it's ridiculous that anybody listens to her. And evidently, the average... American doesn't because Trump is now going to be our president. It's because of it's because of eggheads like this. So clearly, um, our listenership is so broad and large right now. Like the live audience is so good that it's taken down the Hackman Consulting Group site. It wouldn't load. Outstanding, oh, man. Thank you. Woo. Thank you. Thank you, listeners. That's we great. are anonymous. Hackman. <laughs> <laughs> we are anonymous. Yes. Uh, deep diversity, equity, and social justice consulting for a changing world. Ugh. 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 Oh, my goodness. What? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, on, on the website here, if you want to, I finally got in, so everyone else can go try again. Uh, about. Go to the About section on this website, the Hackman Consulting Group. Um, there are two options. Uh, who we are and how we're different. For fun, since we're here, 
How is Hackman Consulting Group different? Well, they're going to tell us. Come on, Heather. Heather, let's have it. How we're different? Come on, Heather. She, she's supposed to talk to me here. What? Yeah. What is critical race theory? You, oh, oh, you make me sick. You don't know? You don't? Oh. Colonize. Hey. Huh. Sorry, my, uh... <clears throat> We're not getting any of this on the stream for some reason. So, um, yeah. Uh, which is good. It is good because it's a garbage. Anyway, founded in this. 2005 by Dr. Heather W. Hackman, Hackman Consulting Group is a cadre of highly experienced teachers, leaders, and experts in their fields who are also highly skilled trainers. Uh, we love what we do, and more importantly, we have a passionate and unyielding commitment to bringing about equitable and empowering change to organizations, our communities, and our society as a whole. Ugh. Who we are. I don't care. Yeah. Oh, hold on. Dr. Heather Hackman. Marie Michael is another uh, uh, high school teacher. Awesome. Dr. Stephen Nelson. Uh, Sonia Keener. Kiner. Kate Eubank. Yeah. Um... A testimonial. Are you ready for a testimonial? No! No! Okay. <laughs> a belated thank you for an absolutely oh, excellent <laughs> session. I've rarely seen a more engaged group. I've never hated myself so much. I was raving about the experience to a friend just following your session. Actually he raving. Mentioned I was taking drugs. I was at a rave. That I didn't need to tell <clears throat> him. He knew firsthand. He had just offered a challenging, engaging conversation at his church. Thanks so much for your inspiring work. Elizabeth, Nonprofit Communications Director. How oh, beautiful. For many years, our school has held seminars for teachers to become more sensitive to diversity issues. While empathy has its place, it has not been the basis for authentic, systematic change. Having worked with a number of consultants over the past 20 years, none have been as effective in creating systematic change within our institution as the Hackman Consulting Group. That from Lou Ann, a high school administrator. Oh. Thank you, Lou Ann. <laughs> That's funny. <clears throat> I think that was funny. I almost did a good job. Dear Heather and HCG, my partner, who teaches at a local middle school, was absolutely wowed by your presentation yesterday. 
She has been involved in her school, in her school's equity efforts since the beginning. Uh, of, of what I don't know, and thus has been the new to numerous conferences and her real estate, you know, lots equity of speakers. <clears throat> Rarely has she gushed about anyone as much as she did about you. She thought you'd like to know the powerful impact you have on area teachers. Congratulations, and by all means, keep doing what you're doing. I think she was being sarcastic. That was from Raymond. Raymond, a university teacher education faculty. This is the David Allen Show. I'm going to go uh, wipe the tears out of my eyes. This is the David Allen Show. Such, uh, such depressing news. I'm, I, I was, my heart was touched. Was your heart touched? Was yes. your heart mad? Yes. Yeah. My heart is expanded. Oh, the soundtrack is beauty. A, a beauty a beauty a. Um, let's find one more. Just, I mean, otherwise. One more. A belated thank you for an absolutely excellent session. I've rarely been seen a more engaged group. I was raving about the... Exp- I just saw this, never mind. Apparently there's three. Three. They have three testimonials. Oh! I mean, quality work here from 2005. Oh, from thank two- you. So three testimonials in 12 or yeah. 11 years. Hey. 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 Yeah, this is the Hackman Consulting Group. Oh. Yeah. And that real news, everybody. That's not fake news. That was real news. Ha, 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 ha. 
Uh, oh, ooh, ooh, this, uh, the United States Court of Appeals for the Sixth Circuit concluded Monday that police officers are justified in killing citizens' pets, even if those animals are not attacking or attempting to attack them. Judges Moore and Clay, circuit judges, and Hood, a district judge, heard an appeal from the plaintiffs Mark and Cheryl Brown of Battle Creek, Michigan. The Browns filed a lawsuit against the Battle Creek Police Department, the city of Battle Creek, and officers Jeffrey Case, uh, Christoph, Christoph Klein, and Damon Young for the death of their beloved dogs at the hands of sadistic cops. The incident occurred on April 17, 2013, when police were attempting to execute a search warrant on the home where the Browns were living because a police informant reported another man, Vincent Jones, was distributing heroin, cocaine, and marijuana from the residence. Jones was apprehended before police arrived on the scene. So, oh, they were trying to get evidence from the plane. Mark Brown, who was not a suspect in the search, had gone home on his lunch break to let out his two pit bulls. Oh, there you go. That's why. After doing so, he locked the door and headed back to work when police arrived and detained him. Uh, he told them he had a key and that they didn't need to destroy the front door to gain entry into the home, but they destroyed they destroy it. They did. <clears throat> the Browns dispute the claims by police that the dogs were barking. Mark Brown even testified the smaller of the two dogs had, quote, never barked a day in her life. That's bullcrap. That's not what dogs do. <laughs> they don't bark. Officer Klein said the larger dog was barking and lunged at him, but later admitted the pet had only moved a few inches. Coward cop. Despite there being no attack, Klein fired a round at the dog. Both dogs ran away from the officers to the basement, obviously fleeing in fear. There, the two dogs were shot and killed by the officers who felt that they could not properly clear the room and effectively execute the search warrant on the home, explaining they did not feel they could safely clear the basement with those dogs down there. So they're just going to shoot them? <clears throat> so what do they do with people? Going to shoot the people? Uh, what's that? Do they just if people are there and they don't feel they can clear the room, do they just shoot the people too? No, they uh they dogpile them and handcuff them. Why don't they do that to the dog? Cause they're not people. <laughs> Cause they're a dog. In spite of the let's see, Klein testified the smaller pit bull was just standing there when it was shot and killed. In spite of these sadistic admissions, I like the use of words here. Uh, the appellate court ruled in favor of the officers, the police department, and the other defendants. They agreed that the lower court ruling with ruling that the police officers were covered under the doctrine of qualified immunity and were therefore not liable for compensating the plaintiffs in the case. So so even the police department what were the actual officers um or the, the uh, was the suit dismissed against the officers, but not against the police department, or was the entire thing dismissed? Well, the next piece of this says the precedent has now been set. Cops can legally kill your dogs for the sole act of being a dog. If your dog moves, it is dead. If your dog barks, it is dead. If your dog does anything but sit silently in the other room, it is dead. However, as the above case illustrates, even if they are silent in the other room, police can still kill them. <laughs> just to make sure their search for arbitrary substances deemed illegal okay. by the state. Okay, here's here's the issue here. It's not the shooting of the dog. It's why they did the search warrant. Okay, so if, for instance, follow me here. If the guy that they arrested 
who was a drug dealer. Mm-hmm. What if he was a serial murderer and they were looking for a person who may or may not be alive? And they suspected he that person was in the basement of this house. And they had to. They were going to do a search warrant to save somebody's life. And they came in, and the dogs were aggressive, and they shot him. I don't think anybody would have an issue with oh, that. Oh no, 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 no. Exactly. So the issue isn't shooting the dogs. The issue is doing a search warrant for drugs or something stupid like that. But I think the idea that because the dog <clears throat> is there, it can be shot. But it's kind of ridiculous. But it isn't can it? be shot if there's a if there was a child down there, if or if you. If you thought that there might be a child down there that was in danger of dying, if it didn't get medical medical attention or something, and there was a dog in front of it that you perceived as aggressive, nobody would have an issue of you shooting the dog. So it's not the shooting of the dog; it's it's the circumstances surrounding the shooting of the dog. You know what I mean? Well, kind of, but I mean, what it appears this says is that they didn't like that the dog was down there, and they didn't feel like they could make sure the room was clear unless the dogs weren't there. And so they just shot them without being without the dogs apparently trying to attack them. But they have to secure the house before they can search it. Because if there was uh, another drug dealer down there that possibly had a gun, do you know what I mean? Well, yeah. But- so that's my, my point is, to me, the critique is more on um, maybe... Uh, uh, making drugs uh, illegal and uh, having the sense that we have to uh, crack down on anybody who deals with drugs and you and um, you know there's so many people in prison right now because of uh, conviction of drugs and dealing of drugs and possession of drugs that maybe if you change some of those laws you wouldn't be having these search warrants willy-nilly because a lot of times if you're driving somewhere at night and you go a little bit over the speed limit and you're not in a familiar area and there's a cop there, he's going to pull you over. He's not pulling you over because you're speeding. He's pulling you over to see if you're drunk or if you have drugs so he can arrest you. And our culture or our courts and our legislatures. Yes, exactly. So I think it's, I from the cop's point of view, mm-hmm. He's going in there and he has to secure this place. And there's a dog who's aggressive. Well, well, there's a dog. Yes, but so, so the, the assumption ball. is the dog is aggressive. Yes. So they are they are stereotyping the dog. It's four legs with teeth. It's aggressive. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Yeah. And no, no. I mean, I'm not. Yeah. I'm not no, disagreeing. <laughs> I'm not disagreeing with you per se about it. But if they're doing a search warrant and they have to get evidence and there's some there's potentially somebody in the house that can flush all that evidence away or maybe there's somebody in the house with a gun they're not it's a dog it's not a human being so it's between them and that's my point you tell that to the person that needs that dog well no i mean i i am i i'm just i'm just saying from the point of view of the cops i think that the biggest issue is um how easy it is to get search warrants and um maybe even some of the training of the of the, of the SWAT people. Yeah. With Yeah, yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> this is the David Allen show. Davey Likey. Little 
little Stevie Ray Vaughan for you. Yeah. really go wrong with old Stevie, can you? No. No sorry, Bob can't tell. No sorry, Bob. Hey. Yeah. Well, our peanut gallery has doubled in size. Yeah, it has. Hey. Holy cow. My goodness. We should sell uh, you know, popcorn and tickets and hot dogs. <laughs> oh, man. So you were here for the last piece of that uh, cop shooting dog thing? I was, yeah. What do you think? I think they jumped the gun, so to speak. <laughs> hey, I I'm speaking from the from the point of view of police officers because I've dealt with them oh, sure. so much, and I know that they have uh, a priority. And when they do a search warrant, they have a certain objective, and um, time is one of one of essence. Mm-hmm. Time is of essence when you go in, and you can't allow. Now. In my opinion, if you do a search warrant and, um, uh, like, you hit the wrong house mm-hmm. and you kill their animals, well, there should be repercussions. But there's not. Exactly. That, that's, they are totally justified that's in that the stuff. Drive, yeah. yeah, that's the stuff that, that ticks me off the most. Mm-hmm. But if, it's, if a judge signs off on a search warrant and you're going into that house, you can't... If if so, if you have the, the intel attitude. was wrong though, who who should who should be to blame? The judge? No, make him pay for it. No, hey, there you go. The person if uh, if the informant was blatantly wrong, then there should be repercussions. If a cop forged something or is doing something as a dirty cop, there should be repercussions. But if you take a police officer, <clears throat> and the whole point of a search warrant is that you. You clamp down that house. You don't let anything in and out. You get the evidence, whatever the evidence is. And if it was um, uh, dealing drugs and that sort of thing, I mean, that's that's my opinion. <clears throat> well, yeah. In a matter of urgency, it has to be called into play. 
if there's someone's life at stake, then yes, kill the dogs, clear the room. If it's to search for drugs, which I mentioned before is not super urgent overall, why not call in animal control? If they're locked in the basement, it sounds like. Well, right. How? I mean, how hard can it be? Well, didn't they already shoot them, and then they ran in the basement? Shot at they shot, them. Right. Oh, right. they shot, shot at, at the, dog. the yeah. dogs. Which shot doesn't around mean they got them. shot. Right. Yeah. <laughs> shot around. They shot them. Oh, they I know. thought you, they I thought shot you around said them. they shot the dog. No, shot at them. And then shot, uh, shot around at them. And the dog ran away scared <clears> to the basement. Okay. Now let's go down and shoot the dog? Yeah, but then there's there's also an element. There is. You don't know who's in the house, okay? The oh, guy absolutely. is a fugitive. I, sure. He's a fugitive. But, but uh, He's is a drug the pre- dealer. The, is the precedent now set that there's a dog in the house that we need to check the house, so just kill first? <clears throat> okay. Und- is that un- the precedent that's un- just set? Understand, this is not a human being. He did not shoot a human being. Finish him. Now, in our culture, we say that that uh, little Scruffy is almost... You, I mean, you have you have vans with their family, you know, yeah. mom, uh-huh. dad, two kids, three dogs. cat, and yeah. three dogs. Oh, yeah. A dog, guess what's going to happen? If you die in a house and you have a three-year-old and it takes a week before the cops, the three-year-old isn't going to eat you. The dog will eat you. But not There's if it's a, a month-old dog. What's that? Not if it's a month-old dog. Okay. Right? <laughs> Maybe not, but then Come they on. probably wouldn't shoot it. Bullcrap. <laughs> They're not There's so sh- much. They sh- no. They, dog, shoot it. That It happens all the time. Uh, yeah, uh, Even with like teacup poodles. Oh, there's a dog barking at the cop. <laughs> shoot the dog because it's irritating. No. I, no. Mean, I think I'm, the right move is drop kicking there. I, I don't know. Oh, but. For a little one, that would work. <laughs> yes, exactly. They would probably right. much more. <clears throat> yeah. Um, uh, but it is a pit bull if it was a poodle. Oh, and you bet. Having pit bulls in there, the cops are afraid of them because they look scary. Pit bulls, they do. Right. So yeah. then- uh, shoot. Okay, let's go to the logical conclusion of the liberal mindset. What's that? Uh, if we cannot profile people, how can a cop be allowed to profile a dog? Well, we've already established right? it's a dog. <laughs> I don't care. You know, you know, if you go to Korea and, and China and Okinawa, I mean, they eat those things. You know, they eat horses in Mexico. We don't. Yeah, need exactly. That. Exactly. Well, maybe we do. Some people. And at IKEA. Oh. <laughs> Did you know it's illegal in Minnesota to eat a horse? What? And it's illegal to kill a horse in any other way than to have a rendering truck come out. You can't go out and like take your, your horse out and shoot it in the head and bury it if it's too old. No way. I- illegal? illegal? Illegal. Oh, my point That's, exactly yeah, from the before. Lo- the lunatics. Lunacy of government. Yeah, exactly. <clears throat> Gross. Yeah. That's lame. Really? Yeah. Yeah. The other thing about this about this guy, and again from the police officer's point of view, perhaps these people didn't know that he was a big drug dealer and that he dealt with a lot of drugs. Perhaps that's true. But I think a reasonable person would suspect that there was some illegal activity going on. And he ha- how many people do you know that have two pit bulls? I mean, there's not a lot. There's a lot in that culture. Okay, I'm, I'm saying. I'm stuck back. I'm, saying, I'm, I'm stuck back when you said a reasonable person would agree. You know what that means in political talk? I'm smarter than everyone else. When when politicians say reasonable minds will agree, it but means see, that's the whole premise we're smarter of than you and you're an idiot. System. That's the whole premise of the jury system. 
in the United States of America. Reasonable minds. Reasonable. That means what a the more intelligent, person. the intellectual. Well. Stringing 17 words together that... <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Oh, <laughs> uh, man. <clears throat> we have um, Kitty Corner from our house. There's this uh, family that has a Rottweiler. And I walk by it every single day. And th- this Rottweiler has a chain. Is this why you pack heat every day? Well, I can't at school, but oh, darn it. but it's got a chain. I mean, one of those thick chains, and it has this huge leather collar that's like uh, probably four inches that's fashion wide. Money. That's fashion, and probably a, <laughs> an inch thick. <laughs> yeah. And every time you walk by it, I mean, at full speed, it hits the end of it, really, and just runs back and forth. Now, if I'm a cop and I'm coming into oh, a house, no, I see that. Yeah, that's it's scary. dead. Yeah, it's dead. It is. Sorry. Sorry, but it's dead. <clears throat> now, okay. it might not be Cujo, but it's dressed as Cujo, so Cujo got to die. Um, so, uh, if you know, I don't know. I don't know. That's all I got. That's all I got to say about oh that. God. That's all I got for that. <clears throat> <clears throat> Oh, Standing Rock. Oh, yeah. What's going on? Well, you know, they, they got to, you know, they won. We won for a second, right? You know, the, they oh, shut did, down. The... Yeah, but was it permanently shut down? Or well, did I they think change? they're, I, I have no idea. I mean, I, I, I quit okay. listening when all the non-related and non-affected people started getting on board on Facebook. Yeah. I just quit quit paying attention Yeah, until I saw this. While eyes were on Standing Rock, the Dakota Pipeline has been was being drilled under another water source. <laughs> no, psych! <laughs> I bet that wasn't even their primary one. It's the Kansas City oh. Shuffle. Oh. <clears throat> While the pipeline may have been halted in North Dakota, construction workers just finished drilling under the Des Moines River, which supplies water to half a million people in Iowa. Oh. Wow. Did anybody tell Iowa? Yeah, really. <laughs> well, yeah. Ap- apparently, yeah. Um, let's see. There, there were protests in Iowa. The protesters in Iowa fought against the pipeline construction for months, as they have in North Dakota, with some of the same protesters going back and forth. Hey, hey, I'm over here now. Hey. <laughs> How are they getting the funds to do this? Yeah, I know. I, who are these employers that are letting these people off? I don't know. Do, do they? I mean, that's that's a thing that's you know, like down in down in the the cities when a, a cop shot shot a guy. There's all these protesters, and I'm thinking, wow. I mean, they must work for at places that you know they have great employees or employers. You know, just letting them off whenever they want to. You know, you can start a GoFundMe for pretty much anything. <laughs> Are there maybe st- that's what are there stipulations on what that what the funds can be for? Can they just go to your bank account? Yeah, I need yeah. to pay my bills. I had an idea about a GoFund. That worked for this show. No, it wouldn't work. For oh, that. we don't have, we don't have an audience, darn it! <laughs> I should I could shave my head okay. and put on a lot of uh, pancake makeup, and then look really pathetic. Pancake? You mean like thick makeup? Yeah, you know the white kind. <laughs> oh. So I look like Uncle Fester or something. <laughs> And then have yeah. a quote. Wow, it looks like Jim has cancer. Oh, it just looks like it. Yeah, Ooh, so I didn't okay. say I had cancer. It just looks like Jim has cancer. Start your GoFund. When they give you all the money and they go, oh, what, you don't have cancer? I didn't say I had a cancer. 
said I had. He said like, Jim did. Yeah, right? yeah. He said <laughs> I looked. It wasn't me. So you, you get around it. Yeah. I mean, David doesn't have cancer, but Jim does. <laughs> so, so you're safe. Right? Yeah, I'm safe. Clearly. Nobody listens anyway. No, so. it's fine. Who cares? <laughs> <laughs> Not as visible. Uh, we've had well over 400 pro- att- 400 arrestees. Like that's their like the pinnacle of their success is how many people got arrested. So they have between Standing Rock and Iowa, we've had over a thousand arrestees. Wow. So maybe that's how. It's a resume they builder. Just arrest them all and get it done. That's what they want. You oh you want numbers? Okay. Line up, get arrested, yeah. then you're done. Yeah. I like it. Building street cred. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. For you know, the I, rap career. I was arrested in three protests already. Yeah. I'll come protest for you. Ridiculous. Huh. So I'll stand, yeah, it's fun. Um, let's see, what else do I have on the list of nonsense? Ooh, this was fantastic. Um, someone quoted, like, wisdom from an old client of theirs, and I thought it was great. Uh, 82-year-old client, I make it my goal to be unoffendable. Oh, that's good. What you think of me is none of my business. That's good. I think it's good. Mm-hmm. They should teach that in the schools. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no. Well, can you imagine? Being confident in yourself. Yeah. No trigger warnings or... Safe yeah, you spaces. wouldn't have to. You wouldn't have to have any of that. Wouldn't have no. to worry about microaggressions. Yeah. <clears throat> what is meritocratic? Uh, that is, you get ahead based upon ma- merit rather than. Mm. What is happening to America's white working class? I hate all this crap, but it's out there. Um, the group's important and perhaps decisive role in this year's presidential election sparked a slew of commentary focused on, on the one hand, it's nativism, racism, and sexism. What's nativism? Um, Let's look. Of course it's a nonsense word, but... White. Oh, it's from Vox. There you go. Um... In the wake of Donald Trump's victory over Hillary Clinton, many are still oh. struggling to understand. Nativism is the political position of supporting a favored status for certain established inhabitants of a nation. Oh, more. Make it stop, mommy. <laughs> well, there are no simple explanations for the desperation and anger visible in many predominantly white working class communities. Perhaps the most astute and original diagnosis came from the rabbi and activist Michael Lerner, who in assessing Donald Trump's victory looked for a, from a broader vantage point than most. Underneath the populist ire, he wrote, was a suffering rooted in the hidden injuries of class and in the spiritual crisis that the global competitive marketplace generates. I am. All of this bullcrap is nothing but a bunch of elite uh, academics, yeah. like trying to prove how good they are at writing. That's what do we have for him, Johnny? <laughs> That's all it is. Yeah, it's just ludicrous. I'm sick. I'm sick and tired of this. I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. <laughs> I'm so sick and tired. I yeah. I don't know if any of them know what they're saying when they say this stuff. 
They're just outraged. Outraged, I tell you. His name is Blaine. David? His name is Blaine. He's a 19-year-old college student. Oh, no. No! <laughs> ah! Ah! And he is a snowflake. Yeah. Blaine is one of thousands of snowflakes all across our college campuses who've been personally victimized by the recent election of Donald Trump as president of these United States. Up until Monday, these snowflakes had hope. Hope that the Electoral College would save them from the horrors of having to live in a country run by someone they didn't vote for. But in one swift, constitutionally sound vote, their hopes were dashed. Now these snowflakes need your help to deal with the emotional devastation of not getting their way. Visit SaveTheSnowflakes.org to find out how you can save a snowflake today. And in the meantime, this is Blaine, and this is his story. Hi, my name is Blaine. I'm a 19-year-old college student, and I am a snowflake. <coughs> when I first came to college, it was really hard for me, because no one had ever really disagreed with me before. <laughs> I remember having to study Columbus Day and economics and some really triggering things. I just triggering. couldn't believe anyone would actually say something so different from what I thought. And then when Donald Trump was elected president, bing, I bing, just, bong, bong, I fell bing, apart. Bing. I remember thinking, this just can't be happening. This cannot be happening. I mean, the idea that someone I didn't vote for might run the country isn't something any snowflake should have to deal with. But then Monday was, I mean, it was a really awful day. I mean, the Electoral College could have saved us from Donald Trump and they just, they didn't. They could have voted against what all the people in their states wanted. And Michael Moore even said he'd pay their fines if they voted for Hillary. Up until that point, I think somewhere I still believed we would be okay. But now it's not. And I'm running out of crayons and <laughs> I'm not really sure what to do. I'm not sure what democracy is exactly, but I'm pretty sure it doesn't mean losing elections. Nope. nope. Save the Snowflakes is important because it really helps provide snowflakes like me with a safe space where we don't have to worry about being offended That's right. or having our feelings hurt. Right. Which can be really hard to deal with when you're going through the stress of having to write papers for your lesbian dance theory class. <laughs> and, and if something does trigger me, I know that Save the Snowflakes will be there for me with whatever I need. On really hard days, I need to sit down and play with toys or color. Uh, but I know Save the Snowflakes will make sure I have those things. And not having to worry about dealing with my own hurt feelings has really freed up a lot of my time. <laughs> All thanks to Save the Snowflakes. <laughs> yeah, and I can finally get back to doing things I love. I think without Save the Snowflakes, I would cry by myself a lot more. I'm just really thankful for this organization, and I hope more people will support it. It's really important to show snowflakes like myself how much our feelings really matter. Save the snowflakes. Your feelings matter, but ours matter more. <laughs> Speaking of GoFundMe, what did you find, Peanut Gallery? Yeah, this is something I came across a, a while ago when, I, <laughs> when we said you can pretty much GoFundMe anything. Um, 
my thought went to an article I read about a woman starting a GoFundMe campaign to pay for her abortion. This can't be real. So that she can party. This is back in uh, September 5th, 2014. Um, she raised, uh, within a week, she raised sixteen over $1,600. What? Towards her $2,500 uh, goal donated by 106 people. How Sorry, much does in, an abortion in, in, cost? In 48 hours, apparently $2,500 for this particular woman. Um, and it, it was named the uh, Stop Bailey from Breeding Fund. Mm. She started it herself. Um, it says, uh, Bailey needs an abortion. Some of you know and love her. Some of you probably wish you could be her. She is the most important person in my entire life. And even though I didn't help create the fetus inside of her... We need to get rid of it because this affects me just as much as it does her. What? This is what the page says. Bailey is currently unemployed, completely broke, in debt, and in no position to hold down a job due to severe symptoms of a rough, unplanned, and unexpected pregnancy. And unexpected, really. Unexpected. Hmm. I don't know how this could have I happened. I wonder what could have happened to cause that. <laughs> There's no no mention of any uh, un, uh, uh, like rape or anything, right? No mention of rape. So there's a good chance that it was um, not that. Which typically means it was... But I thought all of it was rape. I mean, just saying the word rape is rape. Oh, Mm. right. I mean... Mm -hmm. Sure. Oh, the page continues. Uh. Aside from having no desire to raise a child, she's economically unstable and can barely afford to support herself, which means having enough money to pay rent, smoke cigarettes, drink Rockstar, support her friends in prison, and if she's really busted her ass, maybe... Go to a show or two. <laughs> Interesting. She's a farmer, you know. End quote. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> wow. No, what was the first uh, stop Brady from breeding or something like that? Uh, her name is Bailey. It's, or Bailey. Uh, yeah, stop that's what Bailey they called from, it? From breeding. That, that was the fun Well, that's title. got nothing to do with the abortion. <laughs> that's got everything to do with keeping her pants on, well, right? I'm thinking. So we need to give her a chastity belt. The the people here's a lock. <laughs> the, the I think that that might be an insult. Every dollar that went to her might have been an insult to her. <laughs> Meaning we don't want you to ever breed, so we will do whatever oh. takes so that something alive doesn't come from you what because you're such a done, horrible what person. What they should have done is said, hi, we'll give you all this cash, and then we want the baby. Or mm-hmm. we want your ovaries. Well, we take the baby out first. Oh, okay. Give it a nice, <laughs> loving family. And then we take, the, then ovaries. take the ovaries out. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Do that together. <laughs> okay. It's a package deal. <laughs> <laughs> GoFundMe did shut down the fund after uh, however many days. Thing. So who got the money? No, uh, nobody. She she got the money, but they they what? They removed the posting from the site oh, and lame. made it invisible to lame. anyone else because it contained material that they would rather not be associated with. Uh, paying, paying for murder. Could be. Ah, all right. <clears throat> Back to real news <laughs> on the the David Allen show. Uh, IKEA. This from BBC News, World News, Europe. IKEA is urging teenagers to stop creeping into its stores and having illegal sleepovers. Get no. About 10 
non-sponsored sleepovers, which means there are sponsored sleepovers in Ikea. <laughs> this is Europe, so is this a Jimmy Savile thing? No. Anyway, uh, no. about 10 Seriously? non-sponsored sleepovers have been logged across the world by the Swedish furniture giant this year. Are they year. open... Like twenty four hours a day. Mm-mm. I mean, they don't have like a security guard that actually. Have you been like, in wa- IKEA before? Yeah, it's like walking into a small town. Yeah. Okay. But with a maze of walkways through it. But you would think. I mean, a sleepover. Typically, you do a lot of things, but one thing you don't really do much of is sleep. Isn't there a lot of like laughter and video games, or if you're girls doing your hair and talking about boys? I mean, you would think that would Unless echo. Unless you're boys. <laughs> or, or boys talking about boys. I mean, I, maybe they should get better security guards. Hmm. Just a thought, sorry. In the Keep past, going. people have hidden themselves in stores in the U.S., Canada, U.K., Belgium, Netherlands, Japan, Australia, and Poland. Kind of like Home Alone. Uh, most recently, two 14-year-old girls were caught after spending the night at the branch in John Koping in Sweden. I don't know how you say that in Swedish, but Jonkoping, that's, that's more. more no, that, I think that's Chinese. 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 The craze appears to have been started by two Belgian YouTubers in August. Their video, which has had 1.7 million views, documents their exploits, including jumping on beds after they hid in a wardrobe for three hours to avoid detection. Unlike the 14-year-old girls, however, they were not caught and walked out after spending another few hours in the wardrobes waiting for the store to open. IKEA has decided not to formally charge the John Coping teenagers because of their young age, but two girls who were caught in Malmo, Sweden in October were not so lucky. According to um, Sid Svenskan. Who? Sid Svenskan. Who? The 15... 15- I just like the way you say yeah, it. Yes, Sid Svenskan. Uh, the 15-year-olds had been too scared of setting off the alarm to leave the cupboards they were hiding in and were reported to police for trespassing when they were discovered in the morning. An IKEA UK spokesperson told the BBC, uh, we appreciate that people are interested in IKEA and want to create fun experiment experiences. However, the safety and security of our co-workers and customers is our highest priority, and that's why we do not allow sleepovers in our stores. <laughs> Darn it. A Swedish, a Swedish spokesman added, Maybe needless to say that the fun in it is overrated. A long night of sitting still, only to then risk getting into trouble with the law. Okay. IKEA owns and operates nearly 400 stores in almost 50 nations. Really? I guess so. Wow. That uh, Real news from the BBC. <clears throat> Hmm. Interesting. G. <gasps> I've only been in an IKEA like twice. That's enough. Yeah. <laughs> no, they have nothing from. Them. It's better if you know what you're wanting and you go get it and you leave. Yeah. But if you don't know what you want, you'll never leave. Oh. So there's like 1.5 million people every year go missing in America. And... In IKEA. It's because of IKEA. <laughs> <laughs> Perhaps. Huh. My kids wanted to go to IKEA for their birthdays. What? To, to jump on the for beds? My, my seven, well, at that time, seven-year-old. Yeah, the uh, to go to Smallland. 
which is their kids' club. Is that like oh. said that way? Smaland? I, I think so. Is, is that the Swedish? Smaland. Smaland. <laughs> we from Smaland. You want to have small? No, you get a lot of fisk. Oh, yeah. Really? So did they go? Did you do that? Yeah, we went. We checked them into the daycare, basically daycare center for an hour for free. You get a free hour. Can you leave the store? <laughs> not supposed to, I'm sure. Probably not supposed to. I don't know the actual regulations. But you, you basically don't. You get paged overhead if you're more than an hour and five minutes after really? when you check them in. But they don't really Hello? keep track of you for that hour. So can you take like the kit, like every hour, take them to the bathroom and then drop them back off and split? As long as there's not a line, yes. So how do you know that you're over, that they paid you? If you're in the store, then you hear it. Paging. Paging. <laughs> Paging the parents of the two the two kids left here the two for five hours. <laughs> we haven't seen you. Paging, hello, hello, check. What is this? It just seems kind of funny. They've got toys and I, mean, I, I get it. I get why they do that, but... Huh. They're really hoping that it'll pay out when the parents buy a piece of furniture that they have to then spend the next five days putting together. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yes. Yeah. <clears throat> Uh, I don't know if this uh, needs censoring, so uh, trigger warning for any of you children listening. This may be swear words, but I thought this might be interesting for a minute. Somewhat successfully established my press credentials, and because you oh, and I have at George least Carlin. one thing in common, which is that all of us oh, yeah. deal with language all the time, yep. I thought it might be nice today for me to come to you with some of my language complaints. Certainly not to blame them on you, although, of course, you are implicated. <laughs> And not that you can help it. I mean, the problem is really with the people you cover, the politicians, the celebrities, and the lawyers. And although their level of insincerity is astonishing, it's still kind of fun to hear them talk. In particular, it's fun to listen to Washington talk. Whenever the issue of term limits comes up, I always tell people the only term limits I'm interested in would be to limit some of the terms used by politicians. They speak, of course, with great caution because they must take care not to actually say anything. Proof of this, That's according true. to their own words, is that they don't actually say things, they indicate them. As I indicated yesterday, and as the president indicated to me, but sometimes they don't indicate, they suggest. Let me suggest that as I indicated yesterday, I haven't determined that yet. See, they don't decide, they determine. If it's a really serious matter, they make a judgment. I haven't made a judgment on that yet. When the hearings are concluded, I will make a judgment, or I might make an assessment. I'm not sure. I haven't determined that yet. But when I do, I will advise you. They don't tell, they advise. I advised him that I had made a judgment. Thus far, he hasn't responded. They don't answer, they respond. He hasn't responded to my initiative. An initiative is an idea that isn't going anywhere. <laughs> when he responds to my initiative, I will review his response, take a position, and make a recommendation. See, they don't read, they review, they don't have opinions, they take positions, and they don't give advice, they make recommendations. And so, at long last, after each has responded to the other's initiatives, and each has reviewed the other's responses, and everyone has taken a position, made a judgment, and offered a recommendation, 
now they have to do something. But that would be much too direct. So instead they address the problem. We're addressing the problem and we'll soon be proceeding. That's a big activity here in Washington. Proceeding. They're always proceeding or moving forward. A lot of that goes on. Senator, have you solved that problem? Well, we're moving forward on that. And when they're not moving forward, they're moving something else forward, such as the process. We have to move the process forward so we can implement the provisions of the initiative in order to meet these challenges. No one has problems anymore. Challenges. That's why we need people who can make the tough decisions. Tough decisions like how much soft money can I expect to collect in exchange for my core values? <laughs> nice. <laughs> so that. Thank you. So that I can continue my work in government. Of course, no politician would admit to such a lowly station as working in government, serving the nation. I'm serving the nation. Another favorite distortion is public service. I'm in public service. I like America, don't you? The food is great, but the public service is terrible. Now, folks, a question for you. Do you think... It's possible that one of these politicians, whose judgment is so poor that he honestly thinks of himself as serving the nation, might occasionally be expected to indulge in a little patriotism? Huh? What do you think? <laughs> well, of course, not only is it possible, it's inevitable, and that's when he's at his very best. That's when he trots out the really good stuff all across this great land of ours, the greatest nation on earth, the greatest nation in the history of the world. And in times of military crisis, you can be sure that someone in a suit in this town will eventually plant himself in front of a camera and carry on a great deal about the most powerful nation on the face of the earth. Now, normally, during peacetime, the politicians will refer to people in the military as our young men and women stationed around the world. But in wartime, they quickly become our brave young fighting men and women stationed halfway around the world in places whose names they can't pronounce, wondering if they'll ever see their loved ones again. For added emotional impact, sons and daughters can always be substituted for men and women. And so I think we can sum this up by saying that where the military is concerned, the extent of a politician's insincerity can be measured by how far around the world our, station, our soldiers are stationed and whether or not any of them can pronounce it. Incidentally, another way of expressing this sentiment is to say we're sending our young men and women to places the average American can't find on a map. I've always thought it was kind of funny and somewhat out of character for a politician to go out of his way to point out the low level of American intelligence <laughs> when indeed his very job depends upon it. <laughs> it would seem to fly in the face of that other rhetorical standby of theirs, the American people are a lot smarter than they're given credit for. This is said with a straight face, although it is obvious, of course, that the proposition is being stated precisely backwards. But. But the politicians, God bless them, or something like that, they're at their most entertaining when they're in trouble. When they're in trouble, their explanations usually begin simply with words like miscommunication. What did you do wrong, Senator? Well, it was a miscommunication. Or I was quoted out of context. Better yet, and more ironic, they twisted my words. Such a nice touch. A person who routinely spends his days torturing the language complains, they twisted my words. Then, 
As the controversy continues to heat up, he moves to his next level of complaint. The whole thing has been blown out of proportion. The whole thing. It's always the whole thing. Apparently, no one has ever claimed that only a small portion thing. of something was blown out of proportion. Has to be the whole thing. That's because now he's feeling the heat. And so, as time passes and more evidence comes in, he suddenly changes directions and tells us, we're trying to get to the bottom of this. Now he's on the side of law and order. Jiu-jitsu, really. We're, we're trying to get to the bottom of this so we can get the facts out to the American people. That's always a nice touch, American people. In fact, at this point, he might even say, I'm willing to trust in the fairness of the American people. Clearly, he's preparing us for something. <laughs> and so, when finally all the facts come out and our subject seems quite guilty, he employs that sublime use of the passive voice, mistakes were made. <laughs> mistakes were made, don't look at me. Probably someone in my office. Things are moving faster now. Mistakes were made is rapidly overtaken by there is no evidence. No one has proven anything. Eventually I will be exonerated. I have faith in the American judicial system. And that certain sign that things are closing in, whatever happened to innocent until proven guilty? Whatever happened? Well, nah, yeah. Well, he's about to find out. And we know this must be true because the next thing we hear from him is, I just want to put this thing behind me and get on with my life. I just want to put this behind me. That's an expression we hear a lot these days in all walks of life. From people in all walks of life, usually the person in question has committed some unspeakable act. <laughs> yes, it's true, I strangled my wife, <laughs> shot the triplets, set fire to the house, and sold my young son to an old man on the train. <laughs> but now I just want to put this thing <laughs> That's, that's the problem in this country. Too many people getting on with their lives. <laughs> I think what we really need more of is ritual suicide. <laughs> you know? Never mind the press conferences. Get the big knife out of the drawer. <laughs> Personally, what I want to do is to put this, I want to put this thing behind me and get on with my life, thing behind me and get on with my life. I'll repeat that for you. Personally, I want to put... <laughs> I want to put this, I want to put this thing behind me and get on with my life, thing behind me and get on with my life. And just to round out this section, let's hope there's a special place in hell reserved for those who have recently decided to take responsibility for their actions. That's the big thing now, taking responsibility for your actions, like it's a recent discovery. <laughs> you know, he's taking responsibility for his actions. Well, isn't that wonderful? Ask him if he's willing to take responsibility for my actions. <laughs> along with my alimony, my car payments, and my gambling debts. <laughs> now, con continuing with more of these uh, more general language com complaints. And forget <laughs> uh, this is a short clip of uh, George at the National Press Club. Oh, yeah. Um, yep. Oh, when was that? Is it the early 90s? Yeah, that was a long time ago. Well, when did he die? Like 2000, something like that? Was it? Maybe, George or late nineties. Uh, look him up. When did George die? Ask Siri. Siri will know. Nah, she just says. Hey Siri. I have some references. For when you. did George Carlin die? Two thousand eight. 
George Carlin died the 22nd of June, 2008 at age 71. Whoa. Wow. Thank you, British Siri. <clears throat> you know, when I was, I don't know, 11, 12, my mom. Oh, forever ago. Had, you told me about it. Uh, I didn't, I grew up in one of those homes where pretty much anything was allowed. And, uh, so I grew up on a steady diet of uh, Cheech and Chong records and oh. George Carlin. And you are in favor of legalized marijuana. <laughs> <laughs> wow, man. Yeah. <clears throat> like, man. Wowie, wowie, man. No, but uh, George Carlin, I mean, is, yeah, he had a thing called the seven words that uh-huh. you can't say on yeah, TV. Yeah, we can't say it on the podcast. No, either. we can't We're say it. We're not going it. to for a family-friendly podcast. Yes. <laughs> So, here I go. No. Um but he was I, he was always really good at um taking a couple words and then twisting them and making a really funny witty statement. And uh there hasn't really I don't think there's been a comedian like him since him. Uh Lewis Black might be the the only one that's close. Like yeah, he's, he's I a little, but he's more crotchety. Yeah. I mean, George was, I guess, he always does yeah. this thing he's with got his hand. finger. is like nine yeah. feet long. Yeah, oh, he's shake weird. Yeah. It's like they're weighted on the end. Yeah, <laughs> and so they like flop at the at the first joint. Yeah, and he, he does shake them a lot. <laughs> I wonder how many children's eyes he's taken out with those things. <laughs> <laughs> crazy, crazy, crazy fact: he is or was married to Kathleen Madigan. Oh, the um, I think well, uh, well, maybe not married. Maybe they're just dating live-ins. I'm not sure. The comedian? Yeah. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they may not have been married, but they were together. Huh. Ooh, uh, mm, t- I'm I'm running through my save list, and there's all kinds of random nonsense. So we jump around a lot here on the David Allen Show. But uh, the ambassador, the Russian ambassador to Turkey, was shot in the back at a at a art event yeah did you see the video uh there was no video yeah i didn't boo i didn't find it yeah they have a video of him sh- getting shot and then the guy doing the ra- ranting and raving and there's then video of him getting shot of him getting Sweet. shot wait was it real yeah you could see the round come out the front of him that's really special <clears throat> but you didn't you could tell, mm-hmm. but it wasn't like, you know, in the well, movies where oh, boom, yeah. boom, boom, and then he flies across. That didn't happen. So, so what do you think the motive was there? Do uh, not forget Aleppo, he says, as he shot the ambassador. He's a Muslim? Oh, sorry, I didn't say that. But what, you assumed this? Well, he screamed. Wait a second. Allahu Akbar? Shh. No, we didn't say that. No, 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 no. All he said was, don't forget about Aleppo. We oh. don't want to report that he so, screamed God Allah is greater. Akbar, it, he, uh, that means don't forget about Aleppo? <laughs> is that what that means? Sure. <laughs> okay. Maybe. Oh, I had no idea. Oh, uh, this <laughs> too. Um, and we, what is the point of the electoral, electoral college? Um, what white is it? To exist? make sure that Democrats to off don't get liberals? elected. What? To make sure they don't get elected? Yeah. Except when they do? Yeah. Oh. Well, you didn't know that? Hillary Clinton received 2.8 million more votes than Trump. Uh, uh, that's what they say. Who? Popular. Pop, yeah, votes, straight up votes, yeah. 
There's not millions of electoral college votes, I don't think. Uh, if the election was decided by the popular vote, then we'd be swearing in Hillary. Duh. Uh, but that's not how it works. We know this. Um, perhaps we would have... Uh, <laughs> she won her margin of victory in the state of California was 4.3 million votes. Yeah, two counties took it all. Mm-hmm. Cook and Los Angeles <clears throat> County. Yeah, but, but, if it was popular vote, then California just dictates for the country. Yep. Which California is its own little entity. Yep. Is it still, what, 54 electoral votes, California? Yeah, well, I, it's, it's in 55. 55, 55. okay. Mm-hmm. And it was clear she was going to win that because of L.A. County. Yeah. Um, and so Trump didn't even go there because what's the point? Because what, what's the really, point? Yeah. I mean, they're, they're – well, but, uh, like, she didn't go to a lot of states because in the – you know, I don't think she went to South Dakota or North Dakota or Montana because what's the point? So anybody who says that because of the electoral votes – you know the Republicans won't go to California because what's the point? And they, I've heard that critique, but it the same con- critique can be made against the Democrats. Uh, this article from the Federalist Papers Project, FederalistPapers dot org, uh, says if you take California out of the total, Donald Trump wins the popular vote by one point four million. There you go. And also, if California voted like every other Democratic state where Clinton's margin of victory was 53.5%, then we're at a virtual tie. Clinton won, or sorry, number of states won. Trump had 30, Clinton had 20. Trump, um, number of electoral votes won. Trump 306, Clinton 232. Average margin of victory in winning states, Trump uh, 56% in the states he won. Clinton, 53.5%. And popular vote totals Trump, 62.9 million votes. Uh, Clinton, 65.8 million. How many did, did uh, Obama get? Do we know? Oh, I don't... Popular vote totals outside of California. Trump, 58,400,000. Clinton, 57 million. So it's... It's decent. If anything, the Electoral College should ignore Clinton's so-called popular vote victory as nothing more than increased votes from a regional candidate. Because that's exactly what she is. Oh, that's a good point. Not national, regional. Yeah. Which is right. Yeah. California, New York City. Yeah. Can you imagine if they would have spent, I don't know, $100 million... Just hitting California. You mean the Republicans? Republicans. Oh, man. There in uh, Chicago, you know. Maybe. It might have might have made a difference. I mean, it might have made a difference in the narrative, but it didn't make it, it wouldn't make a difference in the result. Yeah. <clears throat> All right. Um, I've got, (laughs) just because I can. (laughs) 
college basketball. Okay. Your favorite Andy, sport. Indefinite. Could mean anything from one game to several months. Uh, what have you heard about any details on how long we should expect the suspension to last? Ooh. <laughs> uh, well, I can tell you that uh, they've left it open-ended, <laughs> as you've interpreted as well. And I think they did that for a reason, uh, because they didn't want to put a finite game penalty on this, because it's not like there's not – uh, a checklist, if you will, that we've seen with other kind of type of suspensions where, you know, if you have a certain kind of violation, it's 30% of the season. So because this is open-ended, clearly they want to see, you know, how he's going to handle the suspension, how much more remorse he shows. He clearly did after the game last night and apologizing to the player and coach at Elon and to his teammates. I can tell you this, by the way, I just got a text from the ACC, and as you can imagine, as expected, Uh, the ACC will come out and say that they've accepted Duke's and Coach K's actions. Uh, I didn't anticipate they were going to add any kind of suspension to it, but I did think that they were probably going to feel some pressure to do something if Duke didn't, uh, because their other members clearly would have raised, uh, you know, quite a stink if the ACC hadn't done anything after last night. What happened? Now that Duke has done something, do you think the conference will, will, will step away totally or do they reserve the right to act in the future? I think what we'll see from the statement momentarily is they will just simply state that they accept Duke's actions, Mike Krzyzewski's actions, and they will step away from it. Good. Indefinite. So what happened, uh, for those of you that care... <clears throat> okay, I'll leave um, now. <laughs> uh, Duke... The Duke Blue Devils. I've hated them with a passion my entire life. Even back I don't know when why. they won the national. Yeah, I didn't like them. Why? I don't th- well, first of all, to didn't support, like Bobby Hurley? support anything that's called a devil is not good. So, <clears throat> other than Taz, the Tasmanian devil, that's maybe, different. Maybe that's what they meant. <laughs> uh, Ma, what's his name? Grayson Allen. Uh, apparently, is a junior from the Blue Devils and is good. Maybe their star. Is he their star? Peanut gallery. Okay. He's their star. Um, has a temper and can't, he's terrible. Uh, well, the other day. Uh, Did he trigger somebody? Well, he kicked him. He, he tried to trip one of the opponents. He, the guy beat him and he tripped him and like fouled him and then tried to, they kicked at his back of his leg and, and then acted like, oh, he got my hand. It hurt me. And then he was just mad. Uh, so this and he is got not, suspended for that? Well, he got a, got a technical for it. Okay. But this is not the first time. Is then the he issue. cut him. No? <laughs> this is not the first time this has happened. He's got a history of of acting out and like uh, throwing a fit when he doesn't get his way. And he's just mean. So they decided Coach K, Mike, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> Coach K, Mike Krzyzewski, mm-hmm. <laughs> makes sense, Um as difficult as it might have been for Duke's coach to sit Grayson Allen and tell him his junior season was on indefinite hiatus, what's next will be even more challenging and twice as critical. Suspending Allen indefinitely for his third tripping offense was the right decision. Allen needs the timeout. But what is he what what he does with the time off and how Duke handles his absence will be the most telling. I don't think they've done anything to him yet up until this point. But everyone, as soon as it happened, they're like, "He, the Duke, better do something about it," and they finally did. Um, but it's interesting that everyone is kind of like on his side. Well, they don't want to hurt his career. Well, he needs to learn how to play the game then, and not be such a baby. 
Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Thank you. I appreciate your, uh, no, your I agree. learned response. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah. No, it's just interesting that this is what we have uh, in our society. These are the my, these but, are the almost heroes. But my question is, if he played hockey, that's and, different. And he was constantly fighting. Would the response be the same? It's a different game. Well, it's also populated by aggressive white males, primarily. And this this guy's white? So hockey players have white privilege. Basketball players don't. Is that what you're saying? No. <laughs> no. No, no. No, no, no. No, no, no. What are you saying? What are you saying, Alan? I'm close to what I'm saying. No, I think th- I think that's exactly what you're saying. Okay, it's what I'm saying. <laughs> It is? I don't, know. I, I, I don't know. I just, I have such a hard time. If it makes you feel better, so do I. I, I just don't care. <laughs> I don't care. You do care. Or and you they're going to grow up to be the Shamu. <laughs> the, next, the next Shamu. <laughs> we just put Shamu light on hiatus. And it hurts. It hurts. So, I mean, this is ESPN. What will Grayson Allen learn from his suspension? <laughs> to follow the rules, maybe? <sighs> Having both played basketball for the Blue Devils, we have heard and felt it all the way, all along the way. We don't care. Oh, sorry. Anyway, uh, that's uh, that's what's happening in the in the sports world right now. <laughs> that's it. And then, are the Browns the worst ever? Maybe. No. Well, the Cleveland Browns are bad. You've probably noticed the Browns are 0 and 14 with two games to go in the 16 season. Are they really? Yeah, They're 0 and 14. Yeah. I don't follow football <laughs> at all. <No. clears throat> yeah. David's a avid avid sports fan. Well, I'm intentional about being I mean, if in- if by sport you mean not actual sports. <laughs> I, I I used to, but I don't anymore because they got saved. Yeah, I mean, that yeah, kind of <laughs> nice. Um, I, I don't know why people get emotionally invested on how a twenty-three-year-old multimillionaire performs. To me, that's ridiculous. <clears throat> well. The Giants missed out on a chance to clinch a spot in the playoffs, which means that they'll have to ha- they'll have they'll have some strong rooting interests this weekend. So what they're saying is here: it matters who they root for to win next week. It does. Apparently, according to this, Giants leave their fate in the hands of others this week. <laughs> this is your your. What does ESPN stand for? Uh, Espen. Extra Sports Players Network. Excellent Sports. Are you just making this? (laughs) Yes, I'm trying to figure, what would it be? Hey, Siri. What does ESPN stand for? She went home. The answer is Entertainment and Sports Programming Network. Oh, pretty close. Wait, Entertainment and Sports Programming. Boy, that's anything. Okay. Have you ever watched ESPN Network? Mm, yeah. It's 
anything. That's true. It really is. <laughs> well, yeah. It, they play mm-hmm. poker on ESPN. Really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. The World Series of mm-hmm. Poker. Yeah. Wow. Among other... Darts. That's right. Darts. Darts. Wow. ESPN for darts. Uh, pool. Pool. Bowling. Um, bowling, yeah. Yes, yes, yes. They used to have um, professional wrestling on there. Oh, uh, do they still? Not, I don't think anymore. But St. Cloud State University, when I was going to college there, they had uh, AWA wrestling at, at St. Cloud State on ESPN. Really? Yep. And I saw Bruiser Brody take a chair out of the audience and hit somebody over the head so hard, it put <laughs> this huge dent in the middle. I mean, it was like... And at that point, I was like, mm, fake, maybe not. <clears throat> Toronto. The resident sound guy of Queen Street Hall is at the center of a tense hostage situation. What? According to authorities gathered outside the venue, with one band allegedly held captive during what started as a routine sound check now entering its fifth hour. We have reason to believe that the sound check, which began at approximately 12.15 p.m. today, should have lasted only 45 minutes maximum, the Toronto Police Chief Mark Saunders said in a statement. Video evidence and eyewitness reports confirm members of the independent rock band St. Cliff have been trapped on stage under the hot lights for several hours under the guise of getting the perfect sound. (laughs) The sound guy, identified as David Murphy, according to the Queen Street Hall weekly schedule, has yet to clarify his actual demands, if any. Dispatchers made contact with St. Cliff during Murphy's repeated smoke breaks, and although... All six members of the band are reportedly unharmed. Lead vocalist Andy Muscle is allegedly suffering from low blood sugar and a serious blow to his self-esteem. <laughs> I asked him to turn up the vocals in the monitor, and he screamed that I looked and sounded like if Tiny Tim dropped out of community college to form a garbage jam band. In case we don't make it out of here alive, please tell our merch guy to move the van before 7 so we don't get towed. <laughs> Keyboardist Becca LaRue (laughs) reportedly suffered non-life-threatening injuries after Murphy insulted her equipment and musical abilities. He shouted at me, Are you using borrowed equipment? Because it sounds like you've never even touched that before. No need for that. Roadies and venue staff alike remain in the green room until authorities can get them out safely. That sound guy is a colossal piece of work. (laughs) Good catch. Said one technician who simply goes by Gus. I knew it was going to be a long day when he saw an, when he saw us unloading their equipment and he shouted, Great, why not just invite the whole stinking marching band on stage with you? I sent him the stage plots. He's acting like a six-piece band is something he's never seen before. Authorities have assured family and friends of St. Cliff that all band members and crew will be fine. Aside from minor injuries including dehydration, emotional trauma, and tremendous self-doubt about their musical abilities, quote, it just reminds you how precious life is. <laughs> One minute you're getting ready to play music with your friends, and the next you're being berated by a repressed audio terrorist. Hug your loved ones close tonight. Real news, everybody, on the David Allen Show. Oh, man, I think that's going to do it for tonight. Any last words? Um, 
Don't do drugs. Yes. Because they might shoot your dog. No, they will shoot your dog. Okay, they will shoot your dog. I think that's what's going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> I think we can we can have a consensus Oh, oh you have a that. dog? Yeah. <clears throat> Peanut gallery? Any, any last words? <laughs> Thanks All right. for letting me double your occupancy here. Indeed. The, uh, yes, thank yeah. you. Shh, shh, shh. Triple. 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 <laughs> <laughs> He's schizophrenic. I I'm guess. I it says the David Allen Show, DavidAllenShow.com. Uh, see you next week, I think. Yeah. See you later. Toodles. <laughs>